Got it. Teresa, would you be willing to read the steps? Looking for you. Oh, there you are, sorry, ask to unmute. <laughs> you ask people to do a job and then you forget to unmute them so they can do it. It's not so good. Yeah. Hey, my name's Teresa, I'm a compulsive eater. Hey, Teresa. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted that we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons. We had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overreaders and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Teresa. Lorraine, you had volunteered to do the traditions and I will screen share those as we agreed. My screen share in order to be big enough to be useful, I'll need to move them while you're reading them. So bear with me. Lorraine, compulsive eater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. <clears throat> the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name, OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions 
ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, Lorraine. Seventh tradition. According to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. We send all contributions in excess of our expenses directly to the World Service Office to help carry the message to other compulsive eaters. Our meetings are an ex a Zoom subscription and the OA Rise website, which includes the cost of extra storage so we can upload the speaker recordings for you. Contributions can be made by PayPal to our email address, which is info at oarise.org. There is also a contribute now button on the OA Rise org website. A suggested donation of $3 will allow OA Rise speaker meetings to continue. There's another thing we need in order to make OA Rise continue, and that is support in the form of service. We need, we will teach you how to be a co-host. You can have a very manageable task uh, or two to do during these meetings. We are a fun group of people who are very mutually supportive and we need help. We've had a few people doing the heavy lifting for about a year, and this meeting literally cannot continue with a few, without a few people stepping up to offer assistance. Really, once every month or two, if you can spare three hours to be a co-host for this meeting, I think you will find that it benefits your program, and it certainly will make it possible for OA Rise to continue. Now it's my uh, pleasure to introduce Domingo, who is our speaker, uh, and we're going to let you go ahead and take over Domingo. Thank you for unmuting yourself and I will mute me now. Again, if possible, turn your, your video on so Domingo has some faces to, to talk to. Thank you. Um, thank you for your service. And uh, thank you everybody for being here. Um, I wasn't nervous until this morning <laughs> when uh, I realized, oh, I've got a big share today. Uh, but, you know, fortunately today, um, you know, I get to just show up and uh, I just get to be myself. That's kind of one of my jobs. I have several jobs and hopefully I'll talk about them, um, but they're, they're not what I used to think um, my jobs were. So I may, I'm going to try to just start off slow. I don't want to start off uh, like being shot out of a cannon. We've got some time. Um, you know, my goal is just to have some fun with you guys and to share. I brought all my experience, strength, and hope that uh, I'm going to try to uh, fit um, as much as I can in the time we have together. Um, thank you guys for uh, for being here, and uh, I definitely hope um, something I say, maybe um, several things I say, is of service to you because that's that's definitely my one and primary goal. Well. Two goals, have fun and be of service. So, you know, and express myself, I guess three things. So um, I think I can do that. So uh, let's see, where do I begin? Uh, I guess from the beginning. So I also wanted to just um, thank those who are listening at some future point on the, uh, you know, at the podcast. You know, I'm just grateful. My name's, well, my name's Domingo, I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm grateful to be in a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous um, because uh, I'm still, that means for today, I'm still here. I'm still in recovery. And, uh, and I'm really, I'm really, really grateful for that. My abstinence date is April 30th, 2009. Um, since coming into OA, I've been relieved of or let go. I'm not sure how to say it. 
um, of 100, about 144 pounds, maybe 145-ish, some, somewhere around there. So I am what they call a 100-pounder, and uh, I do sponsor. I sponsor men, and I'm currently I'm available to for outreach and get somebody started, and also uh, what else? And service. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm gonna share about what it was like, what happened, and what I'm like today. Don't and I'm gonna touch. Yes. Can I interrupt you? This is Trish. I've asked people to turn on their videos, but apparently our backroom settings are set up so that we, they can't. So I apologize okay. for that. And everybody who's messaged us saying that we can't do it, I don't know how to fix that during the meeting. We'd all have to log out. I'd have to fix it. We'd all have to log back in. And I don't think that's worth doing, but I apologize for, for that, everybody. Thank you. And, and thank you for those who who are able to and, and do that, I appreciate it. I, I'm sure it's all gonna work out just fine. And uh, we're, gonna have a, we're gonna have a good time today. We better, we're spending a good chunk of our day here. So we better have a good time and, and hopefully uh, just be with each other. I'm just really grateful. You know, if you're new, um, welcome. If you're returning, welcome. If you've always been here, welcome and, you know, Thank God we made it. You know, we're here. Here we are. You know, here's the chance for recovery. Here's the chance for a life different than the one um, that, you know, that I experienced in um, active compulsive overeating. You know, for today, I get an opportunity to do this. Just, I mean, this is where it starts, just coming to a meeting, um, not knowing things. That's where it starts. I used to think not knowing was a bad place to be, but now I realize that it's, it's really good when I get into a space where I get to throw up my hands and not know. That's when, that's when real change can begin. So I'm going to start off a little bit. Um, uh, oh, and I think I was talking about, you know, um, the topic is um, the prize of the program. So I'm going to try to touch on that. I like to keep, you know, I'm going to try to keep things semi-organized and linear, but just forgive me if um, I'm telling you ahead of time, um, preparing you. <laughs> You know, if I jump around or I go off on tangents and then don't remember what to come back to, I do have a um, pen and paper here. So if I start going off on a tangent, I'm going to try to write what I was talking about and then come back to it because um, that might be that, that might be pretty annoying uh, to just start off something and then go somewhere else. But it's kind of the way I the way I share. All right. Um, Again, my name is Omion, Compulsive Overeater. I'm gonna start off by sharing a couple of pictures and um, just so you kind of get a sense of, of, uh, of a couple of things about me. So I'm gonna share my screen. Um, actually, I'm gonna open up my, and I had to, um, I had to actually, mm, all right, I had to actually close on that screen because uh, my video was wonky. So I'm gonna try to share this, um, share my screen with you guys. And then, so forgive me for the kind of moving around here. Thumbs up if you guys can see my pictures. Yeah, excellent, thank you. So I'm just gonna go through these pictures and then I'm gonna close it because it messes with my computer and, 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 and uh, slows down the video. So this is, uh, I wasn't always, I'm, I, well, I don't, I wasn't always a heavy set kid and I'll talk a little bit about that, but I'm just going to talk a little bit about these pictures and hopefully I'll refer back to them. This is me 
at what I thought was the apex of my life. This first one here, um, I was a Marine. I was 20, 87, I was 20 years old. Yep, I was 20 years old. And uh, Marine Corps had taught me how to run. They had got me in shape. They uh, kept food from me, so I couldn't eat and I couldn't, and I had to lose weight. They worked me out like crazy, Marine Corps boot, boot, boot camp. It's got a reputation and it lived up to it. And I was, I was with it. All I wanted my whole life prior to this moment was just somebody get me in shape and then I'll take it from there. Like, you know, uh, that's all I wanted. And I thought this, I thought um, this was going to make me happy. Uh, a few years later, you know, after this, uh, like I said, I thought I was at the apex of my life. I had a stable government job. So did uh, my fiance. We had a baby on the way, and uh, we had a, we were renting a home that we were going to have the option to buy, and uh, we had friends and family. We had stability. We had, uh, you know, we had various things. I had two dogs, the my dream dogs that I wanted to have, and I was in what what I thought was the best shape. Well, up until that point, physically the best shape of my life, but but I was running wild, crazy, insane. Um, you know, obsess about my food, obsess about what I look like. And uh, it was it was constant work and white knuckling trying to maintain, you know, a reasonable body weight. So fast forward, um, you know, I'll tell a little maybe I'll tell a little bit more about the story, but I'm kicked out of the Marine Corps um, because I can't make the weight standard. I just, you know, compulsive overeating caught up with me the weight, you know, over oh uh, compulsive overeating was too much for the military for the for the not just the military but you know the marines they have a reputation being the creme de creme or whatever however you say it and um and it couldn't keep up with my disease so there i am in the blue shirt you know several years later after getting out of the marine corps um eating an apple because i know that you know i'm trying to stay healthy and trying to lose weight because i'm trying to get back to that you know Matter of fact, at one point I tried to rejoin the military because I tried to do it again, thinking, okay, well, I figured out what was wrong the first time, just get me back in there again. And that's for me, that's the disease, right? It's it's that little friend, not a friend, but it's that voice that tells me to keep trying stuff that just doesn't work, but that maybe this will be different. I'll be different somehow, somehow it'll work this time. And then um, there I am on the bottom, I'm on the left-hand side. And uh, that's me uh, and my two other brothers, my younger brothers in the middle and my uh, second, uh, my middle, the middle brothers uh, all the way on the right. And I was the heaviest brother at the time. Um, but yeah, but there I was, you know, um, I mean, I wasn't happy. I mean, I'm, I, I, I was, you know, I laughed being, being in the active disease. I, I, I might've even looked at a, a comedy thing, a show and just, and just split my sides, just laughing and having a good time. But, you know, immediately after that, the reality of being a compulsive overeater and, and you know, in my active disease came, came rushing in. Whatever, whatever respite that I had from the disease, you know, I had longer periods of, of quietness and kind of, you know, okay feelings, but it just kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter until, you know, I hit my bottom and I had to come, I had to do something. And I'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, this next picture here is, um, 
the one um, up on top is me just, just, just hurtling towards that bottom. I'm living in my car because not only do I have a issue with food, I also have an issue with money and relationships. And I won't talk about those other than to say that there's other ways that my disease shows up. And, um, but here I am, the choice for me is, is uh, spend money on an apartment because I mean, all my food and I'm a good earner, you know, relatively good earner. Uh, but, uh, but I couldn't, I could you know, all my money was going to food. You know, if, if I had a few bucks, you know, it was a 99 cent value meal. If I had a lot of money, it was filet mignon, you know, however it was, is just concentrated and focused on food. And that's where all my time, energy, and resources were eating compulsively or, and, and then trying to, um, compulsively over-exercise. I'm also an exercise bulimic. Um, that's, I'm like a one trick pony. I, you know, I tried restricting when I was a young, a younger kid in, um, in high school, I did it for like maybe a week, but it was way too hard. And so, uh, you know, from there I decided, no, I'll just exercise and that's how I'll manage my weight. And that's, that's been my, like my only trick I've ever used. Uh, I mean, you know, consistently, uh, failed, uh, most of the time, but that's, that's what I went to. That was my go-to, but there I was, you know, thinking that I still had the world, uh, in control. I still had things under control. It was, this was just a minor setback. You know, I'm 40 something, you know, I'm a senior manager, uh, you know, in a, in a retail, you know, running like multiple retail outlets, probably like 40 employees and, uh, living in my car, not telling anybody because no one's going to understand, but I get it. It's, it's, it's my plan. Wait and see, you know, that was, I was always like, I was always showing somebody, going to show somebody, you know, I was always going to prove something to somebody at some future point in my life, you know, just give me time, don't get in my way, and, uh, and let me do my thing, and don't help me, God forbid, don't help me, because if you help me, you're going to ruin everything, not because your help might actually help me accomplish the goal, but because my self-esteem was so low that if you help me, that just like ruined the goal because I didn't do it from, I didn't pick myself up from my bootstraps. You know, you basically like, what's the purpose if, if it's not coming from me? Like that's how low my self-esteem was. Like I couldn't get help. Not only could I not ask for help because it wasn't a habit and it wasn't what I learned, but also cause I didn't want you to ruin, you know, I wanted to get whatever pleasure I got momentarily from having accomplished a goal um, or created something out of what I thought was like my, my single-handedness. And then the bottom one is me in 2012. You know, when I came into this program, I was, um, I was estranged uh, from my family. I had, I, yeah, I was an emotional anorexic, no, you know, uh, romantic relationships, you know, probably, and, and no healthy ones at, at least. And, and, and for a lot for many years, none at all, because relationships never ended well with me. So I, you know, there's several things that accumulated through the course of my life, like um, that I was, I'd been burned so many times that I just threw up my hands and just opted out. Relationships was one of them. Um, but there I am after working the steps, I think in like 20, 
Mm, I don't know what year that was, maybe 2011, 20, no, probably 2012 uh, with my, with my family, with my mom there in the red um, in Mexico. You know, I went there, yeah, to relax, but mostly I went there to accompany my mom. You know, that's like, I learned how to have a new motivation in this program because, you know, prior to coming into program, you know, what were you going to do for me? What was, you know, any action that I took, it had to be, what was I going to get out of it? You know, so, so all my transactions with human beings were, trans, were just that transactions. What are you going to give me? What am I going to get? You know, and, uh, and your value to me was what you can do for me. And then, and, and then, you know, accordingly, my value to you was what I thought I could do for you. So of course I had to earn um, I thought I had to earn love. I thought I had to earn respect. I thought I had to earn my place in the world. I thought I had to earn my title of being a human being that's worthy of love and respect and all those, you know, happy, fun things. And um, so that was, that was me. So this was a big change going um, and spending time, my, my time and my resources with my mom and just for, just to be with her and just to support her and uh and travel with her and of course you know for myself to engage with others you know that was like i never again anytime i engage with another human being it was because it would had a purpose it had some ulterior motive so let me see if i have any more pictures here uh, i got a couple of pictures this these i think these are pictures of me running up in the hills of uh the san gabriel mountains here in southern california where i live okay i'm gonna stop sharing Whew. Okay, and let me close this. I have a lot more photos, but um, we'll see. We'll see if I, I might like show some on the screen, um, possibly, because I didn't get a chance to scan them. That was that. Way. So, um, so we'll see how that goes. All right. So getting back to what it was like, I talked a little bit about it. And, um, you know, I was born, it's important to note that, like, you know, for me, at least from what I estimate, you know, I was born into a family that was affected by the disease of alcoholism. I think that's where, you know, my story begins. And it's, and it began for me, from, from what I've learned in my perspective, it began long before I was born. You know, my, I don't know when, I don't know if it was grandparents, great grandparents, but, you know, a, you know, a, a nice hefty, you know, tonnage of, of um, dysfunction and uh, addiction uh, to alcohol and various other things um, were just kind of have been, you know, I see now that have been handed, handed down. And, uh, but growing up, I didn't know what was going on. I just know that I didn't feel right. I was scared that I didn't feel comforted in the world. Um, the world was not a happy, fun place for me to be in. I mean, there was a period of time, I'd say between zero and five, four, five-ish, that oh, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of memories, but I was kind of like, everything was kind of cool. Um, I'm, I'm, I was born in, um, in, uh, uh, for uh, the second oldest in a family of seven. And uh, so I think those years, you know, it was mostly my one, my sister who's one year older than me and her, and we were kind of like, you know, partners and, um, and uh, so I think, I think these, things were good. Things were okay. Things were managed, semi-manageable at that time, right? My parents um, met after they had had 
I don't know how many lives in cells. My father was 40 something. My mom was 30 something, like early 30s, 33. And I think my dad was 40, 40, uh, 44, 45, maybe even 46. And somewhere, no, somewhere, anyways, I'm not going to get those right, but somewhere in that area. I think my dad's 13 years older than my mom. So later in life, and then, and so I learned about, you know, living a, difficult either an unsustainable or difficult to sustain life early on you know from an example and that's not why I'm a compulsive overeater I'll talk a little bit about why I'm, I'm a compulsive overeater but um you know to be because I'm 53 and so I think I think my dad might have still been having children at 53 all I know is I have one daughter who I love tremendously and to think at like my you know mid 40s I start a family of seven with one income um, and not like a high earner. I mean, I, you know, to, that does not sound um, like fun to me, but my dad did it. And I'm grateful. I'm here. And so are my brothers and sisters who I love very much. And, um, and uh, there I was, something happened around five or six, somewhere in like first or second grade. It was before then, but I think around second grade, between first and second grade, I know something happened because I started eating my little heart out you know, and it was with, um, it was with hot dogs during the summer. All I know is I spent that summer instead of out playing, like I usually did, I spent it, um, uh, boiling my own, cooking my own food, boiling hot dogs and eating them usually two or three or four at a time, multiple times a day, um, whenever I could get them along with other things. And, uh, just to let you know the type of compulsive overeater I am, I don't know if it's necessary or important, but, I'm just one who always, it's always a good idea to eat, you know, uh, and I never did. I mean, I did meals because that's when it was offered to me, but I, I just ate whenever I learned that early on, just, you know, and I was always hungry because that chaos that I said that I grew up in, um, I, I needed something to kind of quiet me and eating. I noticed like momentarily quieted things. It distracted me. It was pleasurable. It was tasty. And uh, highly interesting foods, super interesting. Even to me today, um, I could watch food shows. I could talk to people about food that for today I don't eat and uh, or anything. I mean, just like, you know, and I'm in a program that's, you know, about food. <laughs> like I come to, you know, meetings and I, and I have fellowship and it's all like based on, based on food. Um, and I, a little side thing, I think I was talking about the chaos in my life, but a little side thing is I noticed that for today, I really enjoy my meals. I was having a meal about half an hour before, and I noticed that I hum when I eat like a song, you know, I'll go. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, make, that makes me happy because, you know, for today, I, you know, I don't have the same relationship that I did with food, you know, and, um, and today I can enjoy a meal without remorse. And that's super important to me today. Um, my meals are tasty. They always satisfy. And, uh, and when I say me, keep in mind, you know, early on, I, uh, I was in a meeting. I'll get back to the chaos, but I was in a meeting in, uh, in Long Beach, uh, uh Lakewood, in Lakewood, California, I remember. And somebody had been in Vegas, not that that matters, but they, they had just come back from a trip 
and they talked about how they heard the disease voice like and it, and they distinguished it between their voice and and that it wasn't them necessarily it was a kind of an outside influence and i had never heard that i had never thought that ideas that i get in my head are any any uh, come from anywhere else other than from myself and so i paid attention to them all right i like i i thought my ideas you know i thought the world of my ideas i didn't understand that some ideas you know weren't helpful and that you know and later i came to realize that i have a disease that feeds me um all these all these uh all these other um ideas and i don't know what that point was i don't know what point i was making other than i realize now that oh i realize now that 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 certain things that i do throughout my day in my recovery you know, don't all, you know, for me, the person who just wants to live happy, joyous and free, the person who just wants to um, be feel free to walk the earth and express himself and feel comfortable in my own skin. You know, I, uh, uh, I, you know, I enjoy things, but my disease doesn't like, you know, having a food plan doesn't like having a sponsor. So I get that. I get that there's things that part of me aren't going to like. Um, but me, you know, eating a healthy, um, abstinent meal today makes the real me super happy and I get to enjoy it and I get to live, a, you know, I, it, there's a lot of good things that come from it. And it's not all about the food um, or else, you know, I, I, or else I'd like cut to the chase and tell you, you know, the prize of the program is um, eating meals you enjoy, but that's not it. Um, but, the, but, but it's a, it's a good thing to have. It's and uh, and I've learned to do it, and it almost made me cry. You know that I was just like a kid at the table, just enjoying my meal, and what there wasn't that uh, incomprehensible demoralization that or that wondering, okay, well, what am I? Okay, well, I won't ask for cheese. Okay, well, I'll tell them to leave some of the condiments off. You know, uh, okay, well, I'm only going to have I'm only going to have one. Okay, well, I didn't have breakfast, so I get to have two. You know, all the calculation and the um, the, the 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 math the faulty math the the diseased influence math about what i could and should be eating and what i earned and and what whatever uh and uh you know wasn't there is just a tasting meal that i enjoyed like a kid at the table and um and i'm and and i'm really grateful for that you know a simple pleasure so getting back to the chaos um getting back to the chaos so so when I came back, it's from sec from um, vacation after after finishing first grade. I just remember everybody's eyes like bulging out when they saw me. Like you know, like what happened to you? You know, whoa! I might have some some may have said whoa, some might have you know. But I I remember the eyes you know. And for me, I I you know I've learned how to I've learned part of my disease too is like people pleasing. And learning how to read faces and actions and like okay he said he said he liked it but i didn't see him you know wow just blown away like you know what i mean i'm always judging like various people's um facial expressions and mannerisms and behaviors and 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 that's how i learned how to read the world and how to keep myself safe i i realized and and that became an important tool for me early on but which 
I'm trying to unlearn today because it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't um, help me out at all. But back then, you know, I learned, oh, you know what? It's, 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 you know, it's alarming to other people uh, to be heavy set, right? I was chunky. I joined the world of the, of the, um, I, I became a, a husky, uh, a customer of the Husky brand of jeans, if you know, I went to school, let me see, I was probably, I don't know, I was probably early 70s. So for those who don't remember, it was, it was a, there was a brand called Husky, which I don't think anybody, I don't know if that would succeed today, but back then, hey, you know what, you know, there's Husky jeans, you know, and, um, and um, that's what I wore. And some, I think might have even been corduroy. So, you know, you can just imagine me as a husky little boy, you know, running around town because that's what it, that's what we wore. We wore um, corduroys as uniforms in school, you know, with the inside of my thighs, you know, making that that whoop, 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 whoop sound, you know, when I ran because of the corduroy rubbing against against um, it, itself. And um, what was my point? I guess my point was is that I learned that I don't that I don't think it's a good thing to be heavy set, and I became self conscious about my body. And uh, then later on, I learned, or I thought I learned that. Well, I looked at well, I I mean, I still want to be connected with other people. Part of my people pleasing is really ingrained in um, in in a deep sense of abandonment, right? I so not want to be alone. Don't leave me alone. At the same time. I'm like, love me from afar, but leave me alone. I mean, that's how I was in my disease. Like, oh, think fantastically of me, but don't come near me because I don't know how to interact with you. Just, just think very well of me and talk to other people about how fantastic I am. But, you know, don't actually interact with me because I, I don't know how to do it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm scared. Um, but, uh, but that's what I learned. But in looking at other people, I thought, so in wanting that connection with, with other people, I thought, well, you know, I look around and again, I told you, I like, I don't ask anybody or I don't like, uh, you know, cause there was the whole, you know, don't ask, don't tell, don't, don't feel uh, in my family. At least that's how I interpret it. And, um, and I didn't want to ask or tell people about my problems because, you know, they think I'm weird or, uh, you know, I felt super unique. And, um, and so I try to figure out on my own, like I did, a lot. And, um, and there I was, you know, thinking, okay, I get it. All right. These guys are popular. People gravitate to them. Um, they're thin. So, so get thin, you know, I was also bullied a lot in school. So I'm like, okay, well get yoked and, uh, fit, you know, buff. I don't know, you know, what the kids call it today, but, um, that's what we called it, you know, like muscular and, uh, and that could be like, I was looking for a shield, you know, because being in, in, in social situations was horribly challenging for me, yet I desperately wanted it. That was such a difficult place to grow up. And I see that like now today. Um, so there I was, you know, trying to be who people wanted me to be, selling myself for a penny, like meaning that what I wanted, my, I, well, I learned in my family, what I wanted, what my values were, my ideas, you know, if I wasn't in a certain position of authority, they didn't, they, they meant nothing. Even if they were a good idea, if, even if they were a more effective um, way to go, course to take, it didn't matter. No, it's not my idea. So I learned to step back and, 
And uh, I learned the hopelessness of, you know, that uh, I'm not going to get my, my say and what I say is important. And, uh, and there I was. So, you know, what did I do? I, you know, I started, you know, in the magazines, you know, get a six pack in six weeks. Um, I bought, I did buy this plastic bag back in the day. It was like a silver plastic bag that you put over yourself, put over myself. And then I would work out and it had a bunch of instructions, but it's just a plastic bag. You know, it had a set of instructions, you know, and uh, probably the, I don't even remember what the instructions were, but they probably were like, you know, safety instructions because, you know, I probably with the, having a exercising with the plastic bag, you know, probably not the, not the healthiest or safest thing to do, but there I was, you know, working out in the dark. Cause I didn't want it. It was embarrassing to work out. I didn't want anybody seeing me. I just wanted to someday come out and be like, ta-da and wanted to have light beams like shining out. And then everybody see, I guess like how I, how I wanted to be seen that, you know, I was okay. I really, that's what I wanted or felt I needed to have just to feel okay from uh, semi-accepted, you know, uh, but that's what I, that's what I pictured. So there I'd be uh, in my home of seven with, I think we had two bedrooms trying to get some quiet, some peace and quiet and a, and a quiet place to work out uh, without being interrupted. And, and just, I mean, if I would have, and I think I did work out in the closet um, because I both, you know, I desperately wanted to lose weight, but I was, I was highly um, uh, embarrassed. So, I mean, there I was all my school years, you know, awkward in social situations, compulsively overeating because that's what got me through it. And then over-exercising because I didn't want to be the husky kid. I didn't want to be the chunky kid. And I, and I didn't want to get, uh, I didn't want to get bullied anymore. Um, so did that make me a compulsive overeater the way I grew up? The reason I mentioned it, because maybe it's helpful to somebody, it was certainly helpful to me. Um, um, but what made me a compulsive overeater, I think, is just what the big book says, is I used the tool at the time it was a tool for me to the, the tool of compulsive overeating to make me feel better about myself and the world um so much so often so consistently so obsessively i guess you could say that i just crossed that invisible line at some point it was a tool that i can leave or take and at another point some point in my life some invisible line um it became a necessity and I couldn't do anything otherwise. You know, it became so the groove that I built, that I dug in my brain or wherever, I don't know where that groove is, you know, was so deep that anything that I did, all my ideas were, you know, compulsive overeating driven, you know, but I, cause I had a, I had what I thought was a solution. I thought, you know, if I compulsively overexercise, I, I can eat freely. And uh, that's all I wanted because there was no other way. I didn't have, when I first came into this program, I realized, I mean, I was emotionally stunted, emotionally stunted um, and, 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 uh, and uh, uh, maturely, mat maturely stunted. I don't think that's a word, but my maturity was stunted. You know, I came in probably, probably like prepubescent, like that's what, you know, I came in at 40 something, but I think my emotional age, how I handled things was probably like preteen, probably, you know, 10-ish. Um, so when I came in, I, you know, 
and that was okay. That was okay to come in and be new. You know, um, I used to, I used to say, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm zero years old. You know, when I, when I got an abstinence date, I'm like, this is, you know, I'm zero years old or I'm one year old, but at least I know how to drive and I got a job. Like, you know, I was, you know, I was ahead of the game, you know, for the first time I was ahead of the game. So, okay. Oh, at least, uh, gosh, I don't know how long I've been talking, but I want to move it along. So, so just more of that, right. Compulsive over-exercising, um, getting injured all the time. I don't think when I was younger, I didn't have that pattern, but as I grew up older, um, I started getting that pattern where I started getting injured. I would get sidelined because I was, I was buying, I was eating food on credit. Like I wasn't, you know, when I was doing that funky math, I wasn't like, just like, okay, I exercised. Okay. I get to eat this. No. I mean, I don't, you know, I told you guys, I'm not good at um, money management. Well, that, that's how I spent my money too. It was all about credit. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to eat this, whatever it is. And I'll just exercise more later. You know, like I'm building my debit, my, you know, my, you know, my debt account. And of course life would come in. I didn't get a chance to um, compulsively over exercise. So here I am feeling miserable. Like, oh my, like super stressed because I already, I already ate something that I couldn't afford to eat health-wise or caloric-wise or that I even needed uh, other than to make myself feel semi-okay in my skin. And, uh, and, and now, I, now I owe, now I owe these calories, right? And, 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 and my debt just keeps growing and growing and growing. You know, I went um, after the Marine Corps, uh, I just kept, there were periods of time when I like, I, I like started coming down and had, some semi-success, but really it was just from there, uh, you know, in my early twenties to when I came into program, it was just more of the same. It was just, you know, gain, 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 gain. I remember my brother saying one time, looking at me and, and if you notice, well, I don't want to say anything about my brother, but other than, you know, we're very similar, but he was, he looked at me in disgust and said, man, what are you like 300 pounds? And I was happy and proud and thankful to be able to say no. You know, I may have been 280 something, but I wasn't over 300 pounds. But I remember that that remark. Um, there's been a couple of remarks from my brother. Uh, there was another remark from my brother. You know what? I'm giving my brother a bad rap. Uh, forget, you know, so I'm not going to talk about what the other remark is because my brother's a wonderful human being um, that I love. That I love tremendously. I love um, oh, fifty. I mean, okay, ten minutes before the hour. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I do love my brother a lot, and um, I want the I want the best for him. But um, and I won't talk about the other comments today, um, because I know that he loves me too today. <laughs> uh, okay. I may cry in my share a few times. I know it's uh and it's okay. Nobody get alarmed. <laughs> I'm not alarmed anymore uh, when I cry. And um, it's a wonderful thing to be able to feel because I gotta tell you, those years that I spent uh, before I came into OA, uh, I was living uh, like 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 uh, I think the closest way I tell you that I was living was like in a, in a, in a bubble, like, 
like as though I were seeing life through a TV, something that you see and you like and get excited about and want to participate in, but you know, can't, can't break through that glass, can't be in that world, even though it's so close, there's such a thin membrane or barrier between me and the world I want to live in. I would see people having fun, living lives, not having to work as hard as I did. That, I mean, that was a lesson. Working hard, overworking uh, is just, has been a hard lesson for me to learn that, you know, because working hard, earning, all those things are how I kept myself safe. I don't know, um, you know, I don't know, I didn't know what other world, how else to do life. And so, but there I was, that's how I spent most of my years is seeing the world around me, seeing other people have fun, have time, have good relationships, not have to worry like I did. And, um, but, but I was not in, I was not in that world. Um, you know, there, I was, I was watching it and I was unable to participate. That was for other people. That was for human beings. And I, and I read books and I, um, and I, I, I did little workshops on my own and I try to figure out what my problem really was. At one point, I thought it was procrastinating. At another point, I thought it was clutter. All the issues that, I, that, you know, that I've had um, with, as a matter of fact, close to my, well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. So, um, yeah, but um, I, don't, I, I lost where I was going there. So, Mm, let's see. This is probably a good it. time for a break. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So we're going to take a five-minute break. Please take this as an opportunity for uh, contributing to our seventh tradition, if you would, please. Uh, bearing in mind that after our expenses, all contributions go directly to World Service. Uh, and I'd like, again, to invite people to contribute their time talents, energy to our efforts to have this organization continue to be able to offer speaker meetings. We've had more or less the same group of people um, contributing to the everything that happens in the background. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna remove your spotlight there so you're not always spotlighted for everybody. Um, so if you would, please, please, please consider um, contributing some time. If you can give three hours or less even to attend one of these meetings and be a co-host, we'll teach you how to do it. We'll make it fun and supportive. And we really need the help if we're going to continue to offer these meetings. Uh, you can chat us, uh, the co-hosts, and we will be back in about five minutes.
yeah. back. So Domingo, I know that um, you were going to at some point open things up to questions. There was a question in the chat, which is, could you tell us more about your first food plan? Sure, I'd be happy to. So should I start up, start with that? Anywhere you want to start, and I'll help you remember if you forget the question. <laughs> all right, thank you. Um, all right, welcome back, everybody. My first food plan, my first food plan is very simple, very structured. I ate the same thing every day um, for probably the first couple of years in OA. And uh, so my, and it's, it's the same, my food plan, I guess is the same for me as my abstinence. So if I don't have my, if I don't eat my food plan, I don't eat, I'm not abstinent. That's kind of, that made it really black and white for me. But my food plan is um, a couple of servings of oatmeal and a banana and, a, and some, um, multivitamins and other supplements. And then for lunch, it was the same thing, which is um, some chicken, uh, rice, uh, a salad, a couple of corn, corn tortillas, and either um, a diet iced tea or water. Um, no, I started off with black coffee, but uh, I voluntarily stopped drinking black coffee after a while and then Later, that 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 was not uh, black coffee was not part of the food plan. Uh, thankfully, I had stopped already. But in essence, that's that's what it is. You know, so it's just lean meats, vegetables, um, lean meats, vegetables, car carbs, and uh, yeah, some grains. I guess uh, whatever oatmeal is, um, and um, that's it. Thank you. All right, so I'll talk a little bit more. Um, the one thing I will say about my food plan, I'll talk a little bit more about that. It could have been fish instead of chicken very well, you know, still a, a lean uh, a, a pro protein or whatever. It didn't even have to be, maybe it was a uh, 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 fat rich. It, it really, the thing is I noticed for me for what was important is that I just, I just, you know, A, I had to, I had, to, I had to look it up and see, was this nutritious? And I realized, yeah, I mean, it's, it's got the vitamins. It's a nutritious meal. It's, it's, it's fine. Cause that, that was one of my concerns. I was like, you know, am I doing my body irreparable damage? Uh, you know, am I eating the same thing every day? Like, I'm like, this is not normal for me. I'm okay with it. Like I said, it's tasty. It satisfies me. Uh, it gives me nutrition and energy to go out through, throughout the day. Um, but, um, but, but after evaluating it, like, yeah, it was fine. But it, it's not that what it is. It's not like a special combination. Uh, it's not a fat burning or doesn't do like what I, what I was always looking for. Like what's going to spark my metabolism because that's my problem. It's not all the things that I eat all the time. It's that, you know, I've got slow metabolism, right. Or that I have, or whatever the, I mean, fill in the blank. There's all kinds of things I could have said. It's just that I followed it and that it was, and that it had a boundary and that I followed it. Like literally, you know, it could have been more, it could have been more varied. Um, I guess it could have been all kinds of things. It's just that, that I was willing to follow it, you know, and prepare and learn how to take care of myself. Prior to coming into OA, I ate, I, I don't remember anything that I prepared other than maybe cereal uh, or maybe whatever, whatever little thing, maybe spaghetti, I don't know. But um, after OA, it just transformed and I started learning how to take care of myself, how to prepare, how to make, you know, how to, 
it was the same food. You think like from in a week, I'd get used to it and just like have it like clockwork, but it probably took me six to seven months to get the whole, go to the grocery store, stock your fridge. Here's the quantities you have. Here's our often you need to cook and prepare, you, you know, to get like a rhythm going. Cause I didn't know how to take care of myself. I talked about how I came into the program and I was, um, I was in, I was, I, I didn't know how to take care of myself, you know, being in an OA and getting the food like taken care of so that I can really learn other things, you know, like developing a relationship with the God I'm understanding and then make just basic stuff, like how to take care of myself, how to pay bills, how to show up in relationship, all that stuff. That was all, you know, I, you know, I'm 10 right now. I'm 11 right now. You know, I can't, or whatever, uh, 11, I'm something like that. That's how I consider myself. Like I'm still growing. I'm giving myself that grace today that, um, you know, I didn't learn these things. I guess when I was supposed to, you know, I say that, I don't know if anyone's supposed to learn them at a certain age, but I, I'm just learning them brand new, how to be in relationships. You know, for today, I, I'm in a relationship with a, a, a very, uh, with, with, with a very loving woman, the, the love of my life, I could say, um, that we've been in since 2012 and married now since 2018. And, um, I never had that for me, relationships were tumultuous. They were unavailable people. They weren't equal there. It was chaos inducing. And I remember I, if, if the chaos was come, wasn't coming my way, I figured out a way to bring chaos into the relationship. Um, I'm trying to think of why I talked about that. I'm not sure why I talked about that. Oh, I think I was talking about how, my food plan needed to be like super simple like that to let me, you know, the big book says that, you know, I start having more energy and more time and my life like kind of straightens up because I'm not spending it, uh, you know, with all the compulsive overeating activity and, and trying to exercise to make up for the calories and, and all the obsession, you know, oh, it was, it was really wonderful. I remember when my sponsor, uh, at a, some other point, you know, the, my food plan changed. I change. Uh, my sponsor always says, hey, we're not statues. So we get to change. The food plan changes. And at one point, it changed after, again, being the same for a couple of years. And uh, I went to the grocery store and all of a sudden, it was overwhelming. Like for a couple of years, I'd walk. There's only certain aisles I'd walk. I needed to walk it through. I, you know, I could grocery shop like that. I looked, I would I would look and ask myself, who are you, Domingo? Like, well, look what you've got in your conveyor belt. Like, it's like vegetables and lean meat, you know. Um, and then to have it all, the other part of my abstinence is no white sugar uh, and no flour. Um, and uh, so besides that, it was kind of open with the caloric value. That's kind of what it is now. It's, it's, it's open other than I don't, uh, for today, eat white, uh, eat sugar, eat some, anything with sugar as long as, uh, that's not in like the fifth ingredient or, uh, or less than the fifth ingredient. So like most cereals, they, they like have either sugar as the first or second ingredient. Like I can't, I can't have those for today. Uh, they're not part of my food plan. There's somebody else's food. But um, the point being is I was so overwhelmed. I went back to my food plan for another, maybe another year or so. I don't remember how long, but all I know is I had to learn all these things. I had to learn how to, now I cook. Now I'm the cook of the family. Now I'm the financial person in the family. I'm somebody who was always looking some for, for somebody to take care of me. Now I'm actually, interestingly enough, 
I'm actually um, starting a bookkeeping business, an accounting business for somebody who, you know, would come home and wonder if their light's going to be turned off or when, uh, how long it's going to be before they get evicted. You know, I'm actually starting a bookkeeping business. So that, just to tell you a little bit of like, kind of like, you know, the, the, the difference between what, it, what life's like now. Um, so anyways, that's a little bit about the food plan. It really doesn't matter what it is as long as it's not determined by me and it's healthy. I guess that criteria has to be there and it's not determined by me and, and it provides me the nutrients, you know, that I need. Um, that's what's important because really, it's really about taking my, it, you know, for me today, you know, will another grain of rice make a difference? But if I know that I've waited today, matter of fact, today I'm talk about change and there's voluntary things that I've had to do. I'll talk about my food a little bit. There's voluntary things that I've had to do with my food. My sponsor gave me sort of like the boundaries, but there's things that were within the boundaries he gave me, but that I've had, for me, I've had to eventually learn they're not for me. Like for today, this is out, you know? And those were some of the yellow foods um, that are perfectly fine for normal people, you know, like maybe a, a type of fruit or the way, or, uh, or, um, or, a, or a, a diet iced tea drink, those are things, you know, there's certain, certain fruits and, and, and I can, I'm only safe with water today. That's what I'll say. Like, I don't know for the last several years, that's the only thing I can drink safely. And I've had some problems with that in the past, you know, where I, I mean, I drink that, like, you know, I, where I have to get up at night, like six, seven times, I don't, you know, it's leveled off, but that's the only thing I can, I can trust myself with is water for today. Um, there's other things I can drink, quote unquote, that are that are uh, legal. I call it. I joke because my, you know, my sponsor said no, that's fine, but I, you know, it's not, it's not, I can't, I can't today. And so, and today, this last um, 2020 was a year that I learned that enough was quantifiable. It enough is not a mystery. Enough finances is not a mystery. Enough food is not a mystery. There's probably a lot of other things that enough is definable. Um, but I, I didn't know that that was possible. And I certainly, I always thought if I had it, you know, because of my need for security, you know, my, that anxiety, hey, more, the more was better. That's how I live my life. You know, you got it because those were my higher powers, right? The, the, my bank account, um, you know, uh, various things, what I look like, et cetera, you know, safety and security, you know, um, so what was my point? My point is, is that, uh, yeah, I learned enough is quantifiable. And that's, and so I became willing in 2020 during the epidemic to weigh and measure. And, you know, it's like a math problem now, uh, you know, and it's, it's black, you know, it's pretty, I wouldn't say it's black and white, but it's, it's, you know, whatever, I haven't, I've only had to make one change because I got to a point uh, where I, what my goal was, I guess. Uh, and then, and then I had to increase my calories slightly, you know, and I learned so much in this program, like, you know, for today, you know, my sponsor says less is more consistency is keen. Less is more consistency is keen. You know, I was always the one with the sweeping changes, the old changing myself overnight, the big drastic, uh, dramatic, 
exclamations and, and changes of life direction, you know, because because a, a, I didn't feel anything. I was so numbed out by the food, but also because I thought that that's what it took. I didn't know like, oh, I could like, I could um, have 150 calories. Like I couldn't make an adjustment as little as 100 calories a day, you know? And then let's watch it for a month or two, but not make any fast decisions, you know? Um, yeah, so I, I weigh in once a month. Um, and uh, I waited once a month since coming in in 2009. And, you know, if my sponsor, you know, we, you know, uh, I don't make any changes or don't go, Hey, I think I should like, I should do this or do that. You know, if there's anything that I need to bring in, we're both human beings. I get to bring it up. However, it's, it's my higher powers area, you know, you know, my food plan or if any changes need to be, and they're going to be evident. Like there was a time in September, I think of 2013, when there was a change made because guess what, over the course of however many months, you know, my weight was going up and up. Now, not a lot, maybe half a pound, but maybe it went up half a pound a month for maybe eight consecutive months. Okay, well, add it up, you know, that's four pounds or whatever, or more or longer. It was a little more significant. So I had to make a change. I think it, was, it went down like whatever the case might be. It was devastating for me. <laughs> my wife, at, she was my girlfriend at the time, she, you know, she said, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry <laughs> because um, she's, you know, I was just sunken like, oh my God, like, oh, but you know what? It was, it needed to happen. It was, it was a loving thing to do. Um, it got me on track because, because it would have gone on ad infinitum. I mean, you know, fast forward a year or two, you know, maybe, you know, after, you know, how much weight would that have been? And in, in and it, what's going in that direction right um so okay i think that's enough about my my uh my food plan if there's any other questions we could uh definitely open it up what i did i wanted to share a couple of other quick topics and i wanted to share some more pictures i didn't get to share really quick so i'm going to screen share and i'm going to share this because um this one i like to share it's me uh Somebody, some people say, is that you with the knife? No, that's my sister. That's my, that's my younger sister. I'm the one with his finger in, in, the, in his mouth because I just, everybody's waiting to take pictures and just either going to sing happy birthday or waiting to sing happy birthday or have sang happy birthday. And, and I couldn't wait. I sank my finger down from the top of the cake down the length and I stuck it in my mouth, hoping nobody would see me. You know, 10 seconds later, somebody's yelling, what did you do? Uh, everybody's crying. There's chaos all around. And, you know, I'm the bad guy because I couldn't wait, um, you know, whatever, you know, to get cake. And I, I just had to run my finger down the length of the cake. But that's just me just, you know, not knowing any other way how to cope with life other than I've got to, I've got to have that in now and screw social norms screw anything else or anybody i mean I, my sister i think she might have been crying because she was you know upset because somebody you know it's her birthday you know she's the birthday girl and i'm over here running my finger down her her, her cake it's her day and uh i've since apologized i've since made amends for that um i also wanted to show you some pictures 
just so you get a little better idea, this is me, I think in 20, uh, 2008, uh, that's me with the, with the, with the cup. Oh, well, oh, the big smile, but not smi smiling on the outside, but not smiling on the inside. Um, I, with a purple shirt, uh, I don't have anything to point, but that's me. That's in 2008. And then this is me with almost the same identical group in two years later. So about, I think a year after being in recovery or a year and a half after being in recovery, that's me with the, um, the faux leather jacket there. So just a little, I, just to show the, the contrast, I, I found it interesting. So I wanted to share that with you guys. All right, let me stop sharing. I think that's all I had. Okay, so um, there's a couple of other things I wanted to do, and then and then I wanted to open it up for sharing because there might have been things that I, like I left hanging out there um, that I might not have fully covered that you guys might might be interested in hearing a little bit more of. So um, I talked about so live and let live. You know, for today the big book says you know I we don't fight anything or anyone, and that's really. That's another one of those things that helps me not have uh, that that not help not have anxiety around living uh, abstinently. Um, you know, I got to tell you, abstinence. You know, living abstinently is just the beginning because I got a tap of learning. I mean, because uh, learning to live abstinently is definitely a big was it was and continues to be a big lesson in maintenance. But I got to tell you, then I got to look, well, I got to learn, okay, you know, um, how to live with other unhealthy behaviors, you know, how about the TV binging, you know, and then once I start dealing with those, then I'm left, that's why I got to, I have to work the steps, I've had to work the steps, I'm not just a one and done guy, I, you know, I'm in three other programs, and I've lived, I've worked the steps, you know, like, if I'm not working them in one program, I'm working them in another program not consecutively, not like, you know, all the time, but I'm regularly, I just finished, I think uh, in 2020, I finished the steps in another program and probably maybe either later this year, you know, I'll pick them up, but, and I've got to learn these, I've got to learn new ways of being because more and more the road gets narrower and some of these in the healthy, even seemingly healthy, like working a lot or being the responsible guy, uh, being always present for other people, you know, that, that, I know for me, it's unhealthy and, or exercise, exercising a lot and being at some really top high, you know, um, uh, height of, uh, of, 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 of physicality or, or health. Those are, you know, those are the, the for me, it was all distraction from what I, uh, I said was the prize of the program, which was a relationship with a God of understanding. They're all the way for me to isolate and to feel separate from, right? Um, so I've gotta, I've gotta um, um, work the steps. And and one of the things I get to do is I can't, I can't, I can't afford to fight anything or anybody. And fortunately, you know what the great news of this program is, is, and I'll talk about it because I'm going to touch upon the what I see like the definition of success. Is what's great is like, um, you know, because I'm I, I'm very happy today, but. I remember that, you know, fresh into program, I, you know, day one, I was happy. Like, I, like, you know, recovery is not a future event. Like it's, it's here in whatever condition or state, like I haven't arrived anywhere, you know, 
I'm just another compulsive overeater, just trying, you know, working my program, trying to be abstinent just for today. Um, and um, yeah, so I can't, I can't fight, I can't afford to fight anything or anybody because I, I can't afford the resentment. I can't afford to, um, to, to have the weight of trying to win. There's a really great speaker. One of the other tools that really helped me out is AA speakers because they talk about what life is like without the substance, you know, because at a certain point, I'm going to reach, you know, if I have a losing abstinence, I'm going to reach goal weight. And then what, you know, and then what it like, that's why that can't be my higher power. I lived too much time with the carrot and the stick. That's, that's another distraction, losing weight only to eventually gain it back only to, to think, Oh, the answer is losing it again and then losing it again and then gaining it back. You know, I always remind myself, Domingo, you were already at this weight. You had the things you thought were going to make you, were going to do it for you. So it didn't do it then. It's not going to do it now. You know, I have to find a new motivation of living. I have to find new tools of living. Okay. Um, I'm also learning not to outrun my life because I'm a doer. Um, and that's not, you know, I've grown a lot more proficient in program because of what the, I think the big book talked about that I, I don't have, you know, I, I, for today, I'm not spending a whole lot of time obsessing around what I eat and, and all those other things and, 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 or living in the demoralization of what I ate, uh, or whatever the case might, or spending hours and hours over exercising or whatever the case might be. But that's not the answer either. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, I think, I mean, I think I've gotten to the point where I was waking up in the morning and I felt, I just read it the other day, like it, like, like the starting gun hit, you know, I was waking up early and earlier, very productive, efficient guy today, you know, um, you know, for, you know, I don't have the clutter I used to have, I, you know, it's helped me in a lot of ways, but, but that's not the answer. Either organization isn't the answer. Um, efficiency isn't the answer isn't you know cleanliness isn't the answer uh learning uh knowledge accumulation isn't the answer and thankfully thankfully it's not the answer because because then so then i can be happy joyous and free like today you know it's with you know recovery is recovery and everything that it that all the promises that it has it are available to me today, not when I'm abstinent six months or a year, or when I reach my bank account looks like this, or whatever the case might be, you know, that's, you know, it, you know, it's available today. Life isn't, life is always in full bloom, you know? Um, okay. Uh, a couple more topics. We are not a glum lot. I was fortunate. I think I just, I dropped in a peep on a group of people uh, who were serious. I'm not going to say what, what there's people who aren't serious about recovery. I'm just saying whatever group of people I landed in, I needed to land in. And, uh, and we all backed each other up. We were all doing the same thing. And uh, that was super helpful to me. We socialized together um, while I got my sea legs to go out and to be able to, um, to, to, to be able to staunchly, not in a, in your face way, but like, I know that I need to take care of myself and I'm responsible. So there's a, there's a little story I'll tell with my sponsor. 
Um, we used to meet before our, 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 our meeting, our home group meeting, and we used to meet at this restaurant all the time and we would eat. So he, he walks in with a cooler and we go get, and we're like, oh, well, I'm watching him. I'm like, why isn't he ordering? We're, we're like waiting for our food anxiously, looking at our receipts. You know, I'm a compulsive overeater. I, you know, like, like I'm waiting for life to lit, to start, you know, when I get my food. Um, and uh, he's just right there. And then we get our food, we sit down and he opens up this cooler and pulls out silverware. And then he pulls out Tupperware, all in the middle of a restaurant. And then he starts um, cutting out, cutting his meals and, and like sectioning it off and arranging it really nice. And he's got like real silverware, <laughs> you know, in a, it's not, it's like a healthy fast food restaurant. Um, and, uh, and I'm embarrassed and I'm like wondering, what? I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on here? And, uh, but that was such a big lesson for me that, from, I don't know what his reason, I don't know if he did that on purpose. I don't know if that was a lesson for me, but I was like, you know what? I get to take care of myself, like, and screw, not in a negative way. I say screw, not screw other people, but screw what I think other people think about me. Like that, let me leave them. Let me give them the freedom to think what they're going to think. And let me give myself, when I give other people the freedom to be themselves, then I get to now be allowed to let myself be myself. And that's when I learned, oh, I get to, that's, that's possible. Like, right, I'm watching, I'm watching what's possible right in front of me that you can walk into a restaurant and take care of yourself. You know, that was such a big, because later on, I, you know, sitting in having um, Thanksgiving um, dinner and me saying that I'm going to excuse myself because I got to go pick up my abstinent meal you know, almost getting into a fight with one of my family members over it, not because of me, but because of that individual's reaction towards me saying I had to take care of myself. I was strong enough to then just, you know, not, not get into a fight over what I'm going to eat. <laughs> and I was also able to go and get my meal and I was able to talk to somebody about it. Um, and I was able to learn that. And later on, I was able to tell my boss who, you know, that same boss that was getting ready to fire me, hey, you know what, when we have, when you buy food for everybody, just know that if I bring my meal, it's not good, you know, it's because I need this and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I didn't tell him a whole lot, but I told him what was necessary. And then, be, and then guess how surprised I was that all the other meals that he bought um, after I told him about that, and I didn't ask him to do that, were from the restaurant and were my meal, he bought that you bought that for everybody, you know, prior to that, it was, it was pizzas and other stuff. And then it turned into my meal. I don't know if he did it for me or what have you. And I certainly didn't ask him to do that. Um, and he got a couple of things wrong, but that's okay. Um, but I get to, I got to take care of myself, you know, you know, in that, in that period and talk and talk, talk to other people, people who I saw in, of authority and who I thought, who I used to think, you know, uh, were the arbiters of of who I was and 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 who determined what my value was? I was able to tell them what I needed. That's a really super big lesson. Um, but the other thing I'll say is, but you know, there's so much I can do and have control over. But it's like I'm like, you know, for me, I have to remember um, that I'm missing some teeth. You know, like that. I'm a, as a compulsive overeater. I have a cog that has teeth you know like those little gears 
but I'm missing some. So I might think 99% or 75% of the time that I got it under control, but there's going to be a time when I run out of teeth and I slip. And that's the that's why I need my higher power. I can't do it without you guys. I can't do it without my higher power because he fit, he fits in where I'm missing teeth, you know, to make sure that he helps me keep going. Cause there was so many times when I was in social situations after that time, like when I first started dating, I was getting ready. I went to the movies and I was, I, nobody asked me, but I was getting ready to just eat something that wasn't in my food plan. Nobody asked me, there was no pressure on me. And I, just like that, I was getting ready to give up my abstinence. And, um, and my higher power stepped in with this, you know, and filled in what, you know, that, that blind spot, the big book talks about there's a blind spot. That's why um, my sponsor says, you know, never take credit for God's work in your life. That's what he taught me. Never take credit for um, a higher power's work in my life. Um, let's see. Do I have a couple more things uh, I could encourage? I walk. I walk. My higher power leads. Fear is not enough reason not to do something today. I didn't know that. I thought if I'm scared, then that's all enough reason. That's a, that's all I need to know to not do something. I didn't. Today, I'm more excited and, and trusting that I am fearful. And that was, I mean, I'm 10, 11 years in program. And, you know, that tipping point, and it, it could probably go back if I let it, but that tipping point, man, that's been to get over that hump. Uh, it's taken a, taken a long time. I, so my job is just to walk my higher power leads. I walk my higher power leads despite fear. As to the best of my ability, as, as a frail human being, I get to walk in my higher power leads. Um, and I get to not participate in harmful economies. You want to know about that? I can tell you about that. Just basically, I can't not do, I talked about like, I can only work on the solution, not the problem. It doesn't work for me to, people, for me, my whole life prior to it is don't do this. Don't compulsively overeat. Don't act this way. Don't, you know, don't be this way. Don't be that way. I, that doesn't work for me. To, you know, for me, it has to be, you know, like when I came into OA, for example, like if they said, don't compulsively overeat, like I didn't, I, I still don't know how to not to do that. But, but like I said, I, I, there's things that I, oh, sorry, that I, that I know to do. And that's how I get to, you know? So um, I think I might be repeating myself other than to say, these harmful economies, I have to, I have to let them go all together. Like the whole finance thing, the whole how I look thing. There's no winning there. There's no winning. If I get a finances, I'm worried they're gonna leave. If I get my goal weight, I'm worried I'm not gonna be at goal weight. If I'm in great health, and and I am in great health, um, my 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 doctor who I visit now once a year and and listen to most of what he says, and I I ask um, clarifying questions if I need it. He said, I have the most normal of normal uh, numbers. To, I, I, to me, that's, that is the height of, of, uh, of, that's like, I don't know how higher you go if, without having the most normal. You know, for pre-diabetic, somebody who's had all kinds of problems, not just with their health, but with their teeth. I came in with um, gum. Um, I'm going on way off, but I'll just say this. I came in with all kinds of health problems. Needless to say, with that blood disease, OA and just trusting and um and just walking and doing the do you know has helped me and learning how to take care of myself you know those 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 problems are not 
uh, not for me today. But uh, that wasn't my big point. Oh, the harmful economies, but that could all change. So it can't be it can't be one of these harmful economies where I'm happy when something exists, but I'm not happy when it doesn't. Because even if even if I do have like this health, something I don't know, something can do happen tomorrow that take it away. And or something may never happen, but guess what? If I'm living in that economy, I'm always worried that it will happen, even if it never does. So I gotta, I have to just give that up to my higher power and get out of there altogether into into the third way, whatever that way is. And that's that's where my higher power is. He lives in the third, not the not the the world of black and white, uh, of extremes, the desert of extremes. But that rich middle ground when where all the possibilities are where the the infinite possibilities are all right i'm getting a little um out there so i think i'm going to wrap it wrap it up um the fellowship is crucially important i think yeah i think i can't let me put on my glasses i can't see i'm going to read one thing and then i'll open it up to and that's the definition of success so um, here we go. I'll make it quick. You guys have been super generous and I really appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me to, to be here. I really, wow. Um, this is a great opportunity. This is a great format. Okay. Still, this is from the AA 12 and 12, page 124, step 12. Still more wonderful is the feeling that we do not have to be specially distinguished among our fellows in order to be useful and profoundly happy. Not many of us can be leaders of prominence, nor do we wish to be. Service, gladly rendered, obligations squarely met, troubles well accepted or solved with God's help. The knowledge that at home or in the world outside, we are partners in a common effort. The well understood fact that in God's sight, all human beings are important. The proof that love freely given surely brings a full return. The certainty that we are no longer isolated and alone in self-constructed prisons. The surety that we need no longer be square pegs and round holes, but can fit and belong in God's scheme of things. These are the permanent and legitimate satisfactions of right living for which no amount of pomp and circumstance, no heap of material possessions could possibly be substitute. substitutes. True ambition ambition is not what we thought it was true ambition is the deep desire to live usefully and walk humbly under the grace of god that's my share you guys i really appreciate it and um thank you thank you domingo that was awesome what a positive pitch are you open for questions yes awesome. i'd be happy to and if you don't want to have your voice recorded please um, yes, Connie, record the Q&A, but if you don't want your name recorded, um, please uh, send a chat message to me or one of the co other co-hosts, and we will uh, ask your question for you uh, to get us started. If you would like to, to um, share, would you please raise your hand? To raise your hand on Zoom, at the bottom of your screen, there's a reactions button. It pops up with a little window. The bottom of the window says, raise your hand. And that's the perfect way. Andrea, you are our first person. I'm asking you to unmute. Hello, thank you, Domingo. That was really, really um, wonderful to hear you speak today. I'm very grateful I was here today. 
Um, you mentioned so many really great things. I've written a lot down, but um, one of the things you said at the end is that fear is not a reason to stop, um, that we have to keep going. And this is something I struggle with. I was just wondering if you could expand upon how you keep going. Uh, what, what are some of the tools you use to keep going when you're in that sort of anxiety and fear? Sure, thank you. Thanks for, um, thanks for the question. So I will say that learning that fear is not a good enough reason to not do something is fairly new to me um, because I'm going through, it's not the first period of intense fear, going through something new, like voluntarily, you know, quitting uh, the highest paying job you've ever had. <laughs> um, but, um, but my point is, is that, so prior to that, um, so prior to that, I think I've just, you know, what OA has taught me, what program has taught me, because I mean, I've had, I guess I've had other choices, but not have other avenues to quell that fear, like whatever, like I talked about, binge on Netflix or, or go, you know, go and do this or go and do that or go and buy this or go and buy that. So really, really uh, sitting with myself and just knowing that it's, that, that, you know, going back to what I talked about, like, um, I, you know, uh, saying that for myself, that whatever feeling I'm feeling is a loving hand of my higher power, A, that helps me know that I'm connected, that there's not something wrong because I'm feeling uncomfortable. And, and, uh, and then the fellowship, I mean, my, my sponsor outreach calls, uh, you know, my sponsor says, when you share something, you cut the weight of it in half, you share it again, you just cut it in fourths, you share it again, you cut it in eighths. So really outreach calls, not doing it alone, outreach calls, talking it over with another fellow, um, sharing, um, working my program, and just, and, and knowing that it's okay. Like I didn't, you know, it wasn't until recently that I realized, oh, you know, how much, I always knew I was driven by fear. Even when I first came in the program, I said, you know, I can, I can substitute a lot of these, um, a lot of these words, like when I would substitute alcohol for alcoholic foods or alcoholic for compulsive overeater in the big book, I said, I can also change it with fear. Like I'm addicted to fear. And part of it in another program, I've learned that there's an external drugstore, like whatever, you know, cocaine. And then there's an internal drugstore. That's, you know, that's what they call it. And I learned that that's one of the things I go to. I sometimes create, we used to create situations that would bring that because I didn't want to feel that true emotion, that fear or resentment or any other feeling is hiding. Um, it's hiding that really mostly pain underneath, but it's easier and more familiar to me, not any more comfortable to feel fear and or anxiety and or resentment or fill in the blank. So, so I don't know what I just answered, but I don't know what my answer was all to say that I think I, you know, because of not having a choice because I did choose to stay abstinent is I was, I guess, forced in a way to just kind of learn how to, you know, learn that my emotions have a life of their own and um, to let them be while, while I go and do what I got to do and then let them be okay with it. Yeah. It wasn't until recently somebody said, 
oh, how exciting. I go, I don't know about exciting. I'm scared. And then I started somewhere, somehow, just keep walking. You know, I learned there's a tipping point. There's another side. But, you know, but I won't get to the other side until I, unless I keep walking. Even today, there's no, there's no guarantee. I just got to keep walking today, even though I feel more trusting uh, of my higher power and things are more exciting than more exciting than scary barely but a little more exciting than scary yeah thank you awesome. thank you very thanks Domingo. thank you andrea for your question um i have a question in chat which is how has being in oa in oa helped you deal with emotions like shame and guilt oh that's a good one shame and guilt um well being in a way helped me you know again i talked about how uh, you know, be, the distraction, the addiction of compulsive overeating, it's all distraction and not just that, but all those other things that I do to distract. Without having that as an option, you know, I got to work on other things and I got to work through the steps and, uh, and, and address things like fear and shame and guilt for the first time. There was, uh, there's this one thing in my fourth step. I was hoping that my fifth step Everything would be great. And don't get me wrong, it was life-changing. And every four step after that has been. It made all the negativity that was at the forefront of my brain. It didn't make it go away. Remember, no, no fixed problems. It just put it to the back and reminded me of all, like of all the good. Like, so it gave me a more balanced view. The point I want to get to is that one thing that even you know continued to bring me shame and guilt. Um, so long story short, I guess how it fixed it, it, it got me to a point where the food got quiet enough to a, where I can work the steps and cover most of that. And then the stuff that, that the steps couldn't or, or, or hadn't, um, cause I, I still carried that one shameful act, um, up until recently. And I had to go get a whole other program for it, but I wouldn't have been, so it helped me directly because otherwise I wouldn't have been one. I wouldn't have had enough peace and quiet in my mind and my brain and, and time to go and take care of that, you know, to heal, like the heal that thing that I was talking about, the pain underneath it all. Right. The, um, the, from, from living to like all that pain from abandonment, you know, where anger and fear, they're all the topical feelings that, um, same thing with shame and guilt, those distractions, you know, all the cover of that big, intense pain. The one thing I will say, again, having that quiet and being able to, to, to work on other things because of OA, because of abstinence, is um, I realize that uh, uh, yet again, uh, I want, you know, I was trying to control the reaction of other people. You know, because if they said, if they forgave me, then everything was going to be okay. But another thing that I have no control over, but it, it's, it's been like an 11 year lesson that, that I don't have control over people forgiving me or thinking like, like you think, well, that's all I talk about is I don't have control, but I, I don't know how to explain it, but I learned it in a new way. And just until recently, I was able to let that shame and guilt go. Because it really was, it was a shame and guilt. I definitely feel remorse, but it was more so because I wanted this group of people 
who I went to school with 40 some odd years ago, I wanted them all to forgive me. First of all, they're probably, they might, they might not even be aware, or think, but I wanted them all to think the same thing. And I want them, and I didn't realize that that desire and that expectation was still lodged in my brain so many years later, just until, until recently. So it's helped me think, have things quiet enough so that I can work on that specifically and ultimately get that problem removed. Thank you. Does anyone else have a question for Domingo? You can raise your hand again by going to the reactions button at the bottom of your screen. Oh, I sent a message on my chat. Oh, <laughs> thank you for those who contributed directly using the PayPal, using the info at oarise.org email address. We did receive several contributions. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel very appreciated. And that's a really nice feeling. Um, so Domingo, um, I think we'll make this your last question. Um, how did you establish your relationship with a higher power and how has it changed over time? Oh, just a second. Susan has a question too. <laughs> we'll let her ask a question too. Go ahead and answer that one. Okay, um, so I talked a little bit how I, I'll talk about what it's like now and how, you know, it's got to be outside of the world. It's got to be outside of anything that exists so that nothing touches it so it doesn't rust because I need perfect security. But how it started is just like a power greater than myself, PGTM, power greater than myself. It started as a conception of somebody or an entity I never had an older brother. I'm the oldest male in my family. I never had an older brother to kind of show me the ropes. My dad wasn't available. So it was, an, it, was a, it was a picture of an older brother, somebody who, you know, had been through the grade I had just been through, who knew what I had was going through and could tell me, give me what the next step was. I wasn't looking for all the steps. I just wanted what the next step was. So this was an individual. My power within myself was somebody that was just like me, but just slightly smarter. And that knew what that what the answer to that next step or next question was. Since then, you know, I went I went shopping around. I worked on it through steps. Um, it's been multiple things. It went. It was it was the, the it turned into the, the god of of uh, similar to what I grew up with, but that has not worked for me. Um, so it's gone through several stages, and that's okay. This. When I go through harder things, I'll say this, my higher power needs to get bigger, you know, because my higher power has to be able to handle everything I'm concerned and worried about because, because I can't. So most recently, I'm picturing it like a, like just a really super strong, like entity. I even thought of creating one uh, physically and that I could put these, these problems that are huge to me, like like I can't even think of picking them up, but like, but I was even thinking of putting like weight limit, not infinite, but like putting something crazy and then having these little problems be like, like 50 tons that I could never pick up, but, but are with are well within his weight limit. Like he could handle them like without a sweat. So that's kind of my current conception because that's what I need it to be. 
Susan, I asked you to unmute. <laughs> Forgot to mute, unmute myself. If this will be our last question, and then we'll be closing. I just, uh, I just have a comment. There's no place in the chat for us to put reaction to Domingo, and I just wanted to say thank you for your comprehensive story um, that shows such compassion for yourself as you. Um, From from early on, and uh, I guess it kind of brings me to tears just thinking about it. What so many people go through, and um, just grateful that you've um, been able to bring your story to us. And you're a um, beautiful speaker. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, uh, Domingo. And I'll go ahead and begin the closing. Oops, just a second. Carolyn, I'm gonna squeeze you in <laughs> and ask you to unmute. Thank you, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. I, I don't really have any question, but I just I just so appreciate you sharing Domingo. I can relate to so much of your story and it was just amazing. And I wrote all kinds of like pages and notes, but my handwriting is really messy. So I probably won't be able to read it later, but I just, I've just touched my heart so much you sharing all this. Thank you so much, bless you. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you again, Domingo. And um, yep, here it says right here in our script, thank you, Domingo, for being our speaker today. <laughs> it was wonderful to have you with us and we appreciate your sharing your experience, strength and hope while giving service to the OA program. Together, we get better. Thank you. The opinions expressed today are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. Please remember to honor our commitment to each other's anonymity. Take the stories, but leave the names behind. OA Rise's goal is twofold. One goal is to provide speaker meetings and recordings to support OA members. The second goal is to provide support to the World Service Office in the form of funds. We will post seventh tradition confirmation, contribution information one more time. Please PayPal it to info at oarise.org and watch our website. We hope to have our contribution button working again soon. We are an all volunteer organization and sometimes it shows. Um, please give what you're able. And if you can't contribute financially, I hope for your sake that you have some time to contribute. I have been in the position of having no money and no time to contribute. So I understand that spot too. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, after we close the meeting, we will keep it open for a few minutes with the chat and allowing people to unmute themselves and share with each other. After a moment of silence, will those of you who wish to please join us in the serenity prayer. And I'm going to allow people to unmute themselves if I'm lucky. Uh, let me try this. Okay, you may now unmute yourself if you would like to join us in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you so much. For those who are... <laughs> okay, thank you. Welcome back. And um, thank you for those who are sharing your screen. I really appreciate it. And um, 
for those who can. And um, so I was talking about, uh, I was talking about um, someone making a comment about, you know, um, you know, what, you know, they looked at me and were like asking me if I was over 300 pounds. I was just happy to say like, no, I, there, that wasn't a barrier that I had broken through, you know, fast forward. I don't know how much time, but not, not a whole lot of time. I did break through the 300 uh, pound barrier. Um, I don't know what my top weight was. I would estimate about three, 310 pounds approximately. Um, but, uh, that's, that's how, that's how heavy I was. I, you know, I came in, I had, um, I was pre-diabetic. I talked to you about my relationship, um, situation, which was non-existent and, or chaotic and, uh, unhealthy. And, um, I was getting, I was, a, I was always a people pleaser. So making my boss happy was something that I, I needed to do because, you know, I transferred my family relationships to work you know, with my uh, workmates and my boss and my peers um, and my employees, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I used to look at um, district managers and wonder how are they going to do it? Like for me, it was so hard. That was one of the things that was difficult and, and uh, I'm happy about it now um, that, that brought me into this program is that my life, I worked so hard on my life for it to be so miserable. I couldn't imagine like getting a, another promotion and then it just being, you know, I, you know, more difficult to a magnitude of, I don't know how many, you know, and I just didn't know how other people, how other people did it, how other people promoted. Like it was so hard trying to keep my employees happy and my peers happy and my boss happy and my customers happy. Um, that um, uh, all were trying to like keep it together, right? Living in my car, not telling anybody, although people I'm sure suspected. Um, but there was a time when I think my boss got it. I think, I think somebody told him or he suspected and we always would take his car to go and, and eat or whatever. And then he said, no, let's take your car. And the way he was looking around he was like, it looked like to me, and maybe I was self-conscious about it, but it felt like he was like evaluating, like, is this guy living in his car or what? Um, maybe, maybe I was self-conscious about it, but I felt like, I totally felt like that's what he was doing. But um, the point being is that, uh, is that it was, I, 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 that's where the hopelessness, hopelessness of this disease comes in. You know, I was so miserable. I just wanted to be semi-miserable. That's all I was looking for. You know, I was, I was just, I was happy, you know, I call it licking the bottle cap, licking the bottle cap of life, you know, just give me a little piece of happiness. I'll go to the corner and I'll leave everybody alone and everybody can leave me alone. And I'll, I'll satisfy myself with, with just a grain of happiness. Like that's how, that's how much of a dead, you know, an ocean of unhappiness and misery I was, I was swimming in and drowning in. Um, so, you know, fast forward. You know, a bunch of uh, a bunch of trying, you know, compulsive overexercising, getting hurt, getting sidelined, getting more weight, trying it again. Um, finally, and living in my car. Finally, I, 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 you know, I couldn't do it anymore. I started. Thankfully, my my sister, who's uh, who I really am grateful for her. She started. I got, you know, I reached out to somebody, and she was, you know, the first person who 
you know, I just started telling all these crazy ideas about how I felt, all the fears. I was racked with fear. At, at one point, A, I couldn't sleep. Well, I'm living in my car, so it's not a safe place to do. And, and you know, people are around. Who, who's going to come? Am I safe? I, I, you know, parking in places that where I'm, where I don't, I mean, I could talk all about that. But just needless to say, I'm not going to go into that. Needless to say, not healthy, not safe, not comfortable. <laughs> don't recommend it. Um, not necessary. It wasn't necessary. It was necessary for me as a compulsive overeater who didn't know how to ask for help. It was the only way I could do it. And it was, it was, it's one of the things that brought me into program because, uh, you know, I, I, I have so much anxiety, so full on all the time that I couldn't even sleep comfortably. My, I mean, I woke up more tired than when I went to sleep. And um, I started talking about these fears and guys, I'm going to get fired because I was talking about how I was a good earner, but then a life racked up with, with the disease of compulsive overexercise, overeating and trying to overexercise and trying to manage while living in my car and hiding it from everybody and not being my true self, you know, living the double, the double life that um, the big book talks about, right? As, a, as an addict, I live a double life. You know, I have one face out to the world and then, and then, um, and then there's the real me that, that's too scared to, to come out and uh, feels too scared to come out. Um, so there I was, I, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine what my sister thought. And then I, and then I, and then I got professional help and I went and, uh, and that's when I heard and it helped. Uh, I thought, I'll, well, I thought my thinking was the problem because I heard about cognitive therapy and I thought, oh, I just think the wrong things. I interpret the world wrong, incorrectly. And, and that helped and that alleviated some temporarily. And it was the first time I heard um, somebody mentioned to me that maybe it might be my ego. And I didn't know what he was talking about. Wasn't he listening to me? This is the professional help I went to see. Wasn't he listening to me? I just told him how everybody's against me and how difficult the world is and how unfair it is. How, you know, how is the, how, I don't know what my ego has to do with anything, but, uh, but that's, that was the, one of the first times I heard it, you know, which later on I come into OA and hear a lot about the ego. Um, and, um, and uh, I got an opportunity to do a geographic move. I came, I went from living in San Bernardino, California to, uh, well, I mean, I wasn't living there. I wasn't living anywhere. I wasn't living in my car, going to um, Orange County. Uh, fortunately, I had, I, I had forgotten, you know, I was super bad at money, but I, but I had been just automatically stashing money away in an in, in a, in a investment account. I don't recommend this. I pulled it out, su suffered a big penalty. But I just was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to this new place. I'm going to be a new person. I need to take, you know, $11,000 out of this investment, this retirement investment. So, because that's the only way I, I felt comfortable enough to get an apartment. Because that was another part. It was just fear of living, fear of, I didn't want to fail again at something, at, you know, at managing my way, at being able to maintain an apartment. Um, without having my lights cut off all the time and then eventually being evicted for non-payment. Uh, so I went, I took $11,000 and uh, I went and I did the geographic and I bought new clothes and I was gonna, this time I was gonna do it. Uh, but you know what? Fortunately, 
fortunately I did, I stopped believing my own lies. And that, that all this was like a culmination of bringing me to my bottom and bringing me into OA. I stopped believing like that. All the, I was still doing the exercise. I was still injuring myself. As a matter of fact, I said, okay, I figured it out. I'm going to do exercise at a super slow pace for a long period of time so that I don't injure myself. So I would do these long, I would find that I'm here in California. I'm, I'm just, you know, within an hour from the beach and they have these long paths and I would just walk these long paths, paved road, flat, nowhere to injure myself for long periods of time. And that's what, you know, and, and of course I did injure myself still <laughs> because I was so hard on my body. I was so hard on myself. You know, my expectations were up to the roof. I, I mean, I've, I've worked a couple of lifetimes already, you know? Um, when I think of myself in recovery, I think of myself like in, 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 a, in, a, in a robe, you know, walking around with like a, a hot water bottle on my head and, and, uh, and on a robe with slippers and just kind of barely, you know, like it's my recovery time. It's not here. It's not time for me to come in and be a superhero today. Like I'm recovering for life um um anyways so um so i didn't believe my lies anymore they started they were like you know i they were hollow i still did it but i didn't believe it anymore so when somebody said my um the lady that cut my hair uh she she said something about over oa Overeaters anonymous she was talking about another program that i won't mention that's similar um and about I heard it though, and she showed me this book, and you get a sponsor, and you you work steps, and and da 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 da. And I said, okay, I, like I was willing. Like it could have been anybody telling me about OA, and I would have come because my ears were just wide open. I knew that I didn't know, and that was beautiful. That's why I think it's so beautiful when I get to the point where I admit, okay, like I don't know. It's not a. I know it's temporarily depressing. It certainly was for me, but. It's also filled with hope because especially now I know where when, when I get to that place, that's when the healing and the help, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to let my guard down enough to let the healing and the help come in. And so um, I called, uh, I looked online, I uh, found a um, Sunday meeting at uh, St. Jude's Hospital, I think at 1030 in the morning, I called the contact um, and asked them, like, what do I need to do? What's the membership like? What do I bring? It doesn't cost anything. And she was just like, no, just come in. You're welcome. Just bring yourself. And, uh, and, and that, was, um, that was in 2009. That was a month before I got abstinent. And uh, I came in. It was a literature meeting. Uh, the meeting's not there anymore. It's moved um, to Brea. And, um, but you know what? I, I was at peace. I was with other people who knew what I was going through. This was such a loving room. Um, nobody, no, you know, I love our traditions. I love how it's a safe place to be. I love how our traditions keep us safe uh, um, in the rooms that, you know, we could be learn little by little to trust and, and to be ourselves and to express ourselves freely. And I had never had that. I, I, was, I was so guarded my whole life because I grew up, being bullied, uh, both in my family, not listened to, <laughs> scapegoated, and and out and out in public, you know, bullied. Uh, even as an adult, I mean, just you know, putting myself in very unhealthy 
environments. And, um, and uh, what was my point? I was talking about, uh, I was talking about unhealthy environments. I was talking about coming in, I was talking about OA, how loving it is. You know, people would give me hugs, they'd welcome me. Um, there wasn't any lecturing. Oh my God, this, you know, this is a fantastic program. You know, nobody is, you know, a lot of suggestions, a lot of people sharing what works for them and me picking up little things here and there. I heard HP, I didn't know what that was. I thought it had something to do with the computer company until I later learned it was higher power, that stood for higher power. Um, they hold, it was, I was getting some, some human contact, holding hands with others and getting smiles and getting hugs. You know, for me, I was such in an emotional state, I mean, relationship-wise, how, how I got my emotional fix or my relationship fix is I never cooked for myself. I went to, the, um, I went to the, a restaurant and people were kind and they smiled, the waitresses or waiters or attendants and, or cashiers, and they asked me what I wanted and they said anything else. And no, and sometimes they come and check check on me. How how's it going? You know, is there anything else you need? No, and and uh, they would thank me for coming. And then when the when the bell would ring at the cash register, that would like that would like make me that was like ending the transaction. That would make me feel good. That's where I was getting like my emotional needs met. Was going to restaurants and having that interaction around food. Someone bring for me love. Food was love. You know, that was. Uh, that was a, that was like a symbol that they're taking care of me and that I'm taking care of, and it made me feel safe. So to come into a program where people were so loving, accepting, and willing, you know, I'd never had that before. I'd never known that in my life. Um, you always had to nip and tuck and bring yourself in. At least this is how I felt. Bring, I had to bring myself in super tight. Don't show anybody. Any, don't let any of your real self kind of hang out anywhere because it's going to get poked and prodded and hurt or damaged or whatever the case might be. So I came in, uh, I started going to meetings regularly. There, fortunately, there were tons. And uh, I just, I just, I just loved it. I didn't know what OA was, but I heard three meals a day and nothing in between. And that was like the skies opening up for me because because I'd always eaten things during breakfast time and lunchtime and dinner time, but I'd never had like meals. Like I didn't, that, that was like a new concept for me. And so, um, and so that was my first abstinence, three meals a day, nothing in between. And I told myself, Domingo, you could eat whatever it is you want, but once the meal ends, you got to wait till that next meal. And, and uh, so, you know, make sure you make sure you're done because you're not going to, you know, that was my self rule. And there were many a times when I would get, when, of course, after eating my dinner and after, you know, feeling like I'm done, uh, getting something else and uh, wanting it, wanting to eat it after, right? And not know, you know, because that's all I had known and putting it, excuse me, in the fridge and then waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning or whenever and, and opening the fridge and just looking at it and just longingly, just waiting, just knowing that, you know, a few more hours I was going to have it. Um, and then waking up for breakfast and having that breakfast and it not doing for me what I thought it was going to do. You know, in program today, in program, 
I all my, my disease is always convinced that um, the meal that I have in front of me isn't going to cut it, but it always does. Uh, before program, I all my disease always thought whatever it is I wanted to eat was going to do it for me, and it never did. That's kind of like a little uh, difference from being um, before recovery and after recovery. So I came in. I saw. I started seeing this guy. He had lost. He had lost somewhere, he had lost more weight than I had ever weighed, you know, over 300 pounds, maybe 400. He had maintained it for four years and he was relaxed and calm and funny and personable. And um, I thought, and he was, he was kind to me. Uh, we were in a meeting one time and um, he, and I'm gonna actually just do this, sorry. Okay, he was in a meeting, we were in a meeting together one time, and he, uh, he saw me browsing the books, and of course, I'm, I took out $11,000, and I'm, I'm earning a good amount of money, probably more money than most Americans, and according to a, a tax uh, prep software that I, that I would use at the time, and, and, uh, and I'm running out of money, I can't afford a piece of literature when I came into OA, I'd be, I, I, maybe I could afford it, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure I could, so I didn't. And he came out chasing me and, and he said, I noticed you were looking at this book. He said, here you go. I go, oh no, I, I can't afford it right now. You know, maybe, maybe later. He said, no, I, I, I bought it for you. And that was a little bit uh, kind of the things that I started experiencing, you know, when I came into program, not that that's every, what everybody needs to do, but but I wasn't like open to that type of receiving that type of stuff, you know, and that really like that really hit a chord to me that spoke to a part of myself that, you know, beyond reason, you know, that 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 spoke to that that was a language that my heart understood, you know, later on, it was funny because, uh, you know, after being absent for several months, um, you know, working the steps and things, I started talking about how those type of events made made this area over here in my chest hurt. And they said, oh, that's, that's joy. You know, that's joy you're feeling. And I started thinking of my heart, like this, 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 this organ, this tender organ that I encased in like cement and, and like, oh, wait, help me uh, help break away, you know, those painful feelings of joy. Cause joy, good feelings were painful to me. Like feeling joy really made my heart hurt. And uh, I hadn't felt a whole lot, you know, I had numbed myself with overeating so much that feeling was, was brand new for me. And I had to relearn how to, how to feel um, a journey that continues to this day, probably, probably will, or who knows how long, I don't know if there's another side to that, but I'm grateful for the journey today. Um, so I asked, I got the guts up to ask him to be my sponsor. And he said, yeah, you know, um, call me tomorrow at 6 a.m. And I thought to myself, you know, I've been in the Marine Corps. You're not going to scare me with like, call me at 6 a.m. You know, it's going to take a little bit more than that. Um, so I called him at 6 a.m. He said, bring a, pe a pencil and a paper because you'll have to take notes. And yeah, he listened to me for a little bit. He asked me what my little history of my compulsive overeating was, just anything I wanted to share. I don't remember what I shared. And he said, okay, I just got one question for you. Are you now willing to go to any lengths for your recovery? And thankfully, I said, yes more out of like ego, like, like I got this, but you know what, my higher power, you know, 
works in, 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 in any way, you know, in any way I let him. And, uh, and uh, my sponsor right away, you know, within 20 minutes, he gave me the whole program of OA, you know, like unapologetically, just, you know, straight, no chaser. All right, here's what you're going to do, you know, right off the bat, you know, your job is sponsor, your sponsor, your job is to, my job is as a sponsor to give you instructions, your, your part is, is to follow those instructions, you know, uh, very lovingly, but very straightforward. It was, you know, and I, like, I was a Marine. Hey, I, okay, give me my marching orders, you know, like, what do I need to do? Tell me exactly. Here's what you're going to eat. For breakfast, you're going to have da 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 da. For lunch, you're going to have da 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 da. And for dinner, you'll have the same thing you had for lunch. Um, you're going to call me before every meal. You're going to, here's three people. I'm going to send you three people's names and numbers. You're going to call those individuals every day, um, every day, once a day, every day. And you're going to tell them that, you know, you're my new sponsee and you're just making an outreach call. And you're going to talk a little, talk about whatever, talk about your program and just, just let it go from, you know, take it from there. You're going to go to four meetings a week. Um, you're going to lift your hand up as a newcomer. You're going to announce yourself as a newcomer for the first um, 29 days. You're going to get a big book. I want you to read five pages of the big book per day and write a short, you know, a uh, couple of sentences, paragraph at the most, a little report on what it is you read. And you're going to call me or email me that. Um, you're going to be a service. You're going to do service at every uh, meeting that you go to. Um, it doesn't have to be anything grand, just as long as you're doing something. And, um, and then after 30, after 30 days or, or so, we started working the steps. But I didn't know, unbeknownst to me, just coming into program, getting a sponsor, and then following instructions. You know, I didn't know it was the three steps. Now, today, I, today when I bring on a new sponsee, I said, well, we're going to work the steps. Like, like, you know, we'll work those. Don't worry. I'll let you know one day at a time. Um, but... Just know that you asking for help, accepting the help, and willing, willingness to follow the program, that's like step one, two, and three. So you're actually, you're already working the steps. And I didn't realize at the time, but I was already working the steps. I'd already admitted my, my helplessness. I knew my life was unmanageable. Um, I was, you know, I was hoping that there was another way and that something, some other power greater than myself could uh, restore me to sanity. Although... I don't know if I had ever had it, but, you know, uh, I was happy for the introduction and, um, and, uh, and I was willing to turn my will in my life over to power greater than myself. And, you know, my sponsor would tell me later, tell me, Hey, I'm just your training wheels to your higher power. You know what I mean? I'm just, you know, really, that's kind of like where you want to go. Like, you know, you know, I'm not the, you know, I'm just here to, you know, I'm just here to kind of facilitate that you know, your training wheels, but, you know, someday, you know, once we work the steps and I work step three, you know, I did get to uh, establish a relationship with the God of my own understanding. I got to define that for the first time. I'm somebody who came with a very strict religious background. Um, so to do that was seemed pretty blasphemous to me. Um, and, uh, but, but man, I just, you know, it, one day worked and I said, okay, I'm going to, you know, my sponsor just drilled that in. Hey, today worked. Let's just, uh, let's just do it again tomorrow. You know, just for today, just for today. That was, uh, oh, you know, one of the tools of the program for me is to just set my, my brain, you know, not like my functioning brain, like how to drive and how to perform my job and all that. 
but that that thinking brain, the thinking brain that that that's not at a desk, actually writing and doing calculations, but kind of obsessing and kind of freewheeling. I, you know, when 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 I, when I heard when I would hear the little engines roar, you know, I would like set it aside. Oh, not now. Yeah, but what about you know how long are you gonna be eating this food plan? You know what's next? Um, what what about when you get to this step? You heard about this step. You know you're gonna have to talk to this people, and you know you're gonna have to do that, and you know you're gonna have to do that. How are you gonna do? You know, not now, not helpful. Somebody I heard somebody say in a meeting, um, not helpful. Like anytime they get like a crazy like an idea that's not helpful, hey, oh, not helpful, and then move on. <laughs> um, and I'll talk a little bit about that. You know, for me, I don't. Uh, I, all my quote unquote problems, and I had a lot. I mean, I had, that's all I had coming in. I've not fixed, you know, one of them. You know, my health, um, uh, my finances, my relationships, all, all I, I see that I've learned to do is just have willingness to, to work a solution. That's it. You know, today I realized what that is that, hey, you know what? Because when I feel pressured to fix a problem, oh, I got to fix my compulsive overeating. Like, how am I going to fix fix my compulsive overeating? I can't, but but I can I can work the solution. Today, I can get a sponsor. Maybe before then, I could like come to program. I can go to meetings consistently. Maybe maybe share. Maybe get some phone numbers. You know, maybe eventually get a sponsor. You know, work this. I mean, there's but there's so much to do. Like today, you know. Um, I don't have to worry about the, the problem. All my problems, like the big book says, have been removed. I haven't fixed any of them, uh, but I forget that because my disease is, how are you going to fix the problem right now? Um, I've, I, right now I'm in a really good financial state. You know, it's all because I show up and, and just, you know, I'm willing to be of service. You know, that's, that's, that's how it works. You know, for today, I used to think, I used to people please so much in my job because I thought if I got fired, no one's going to ever, you know, I worked so hard. I worked, whatever they paid me, I, I undid that because I would work twice as that or one and a half times that. So the salary they were willing to pay me, I like said, oh, that's too much. I need to give you one and a half times the hours or twice the number of hours. Or And since in some instances I gave them, I mean, I worked almost around the clock. I, it was, it was, you know, it was pretty, in, it was insane. I don't know how else to say that. To say that I'm, I, I could say today, I've been in states of insanity, you know, um, just, you know, and looking how I've lived and structured my life, it's just, it, it's insane to me. Um, all right, what was I talking about? So I got my sponsor, we started, I think there was something else I was talking about, but I'll talk about my sponsor. So I worked the steps, and I, and I, and I just woke up better. You know, I was talking about like, I haven't fixed any problems. I just work. I can't do it directly. I can't recover myself. And I certainly can't do it alone. I worked the steps and I got better. My life improved. Things started getting quieter. Um, my relationships started improving. I started to, I was on a, a losing abstinence. Uh, it was less calories than I needed uh, to maintain the weight. And it was a lot of calories. Now it's, it's changed. It's nothing like it was. I could, I can't even. Uh, it was, it was a good. It was a very. It was perfect. I was happy with every meal. My disease did not have an opportunity to 
to, oh, you ate that? Oh man, that's it. You're done. You know, come income the efforts, you know, effort. Uh, uh, I ruined it already or effort. I'm doing so well. Like I can do, I can do this now, you know, it's just for today. It's just for today. Uh, my sponsor would always, you know, tell me, cause I would use words like, oh yeah, I don't do that anymore. Or yeah, I don't do like, ah, it's just for today. It's just for today. And I, I, I self remind myself that, you know, it's just for today. Like I, so I learned it pretty good. So I try not to use those words anymore because I don't know what the future, maybe tomorrow I have, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll compulsively read, but that, but we're not in there. And for today, I'm just willing to come and show up and not compulsively overeat today. You know, that's what I can do right now. And sometimes it has to be in the, in the moment. So, um, so there I was after a few months in program, um, in the shower, wondering when my higher power is going to come into my life. Cause that was an interesting thing. That's something that I wanted. I wanted, cause I kept hearing, I uh, read, read the big book a lot of times. Uh, my sponsor had me read it from the preface all the way to page 164, uh, five pages a day and then start all over. So I think that, I think in the first a couple of years, I think I must've read it eight times through or so, uh, or at least it felt that way. But um, I would hear in the program about like this fourth dimension, like what's the fourth dimension? Like, I wanna get there. Like, how am I gonna be rocketed to the fourth dimension? Uh, I was having enough trouble trying to maintain the third. I don't know what this fourth one's gonna have, but, um, but it was exciting, you know, it was hopeful. I was having hope for the first time. Um, I was also had a character defect that also wasn't comfortable with things that being quiet in my life. I thought I was surely going to have some train or a car, you know, ram into my apartment at night, you know, because the other shoe was going to drop. I didn't know how to live with peace. I didn't know how to live with serenity. That's something that's taken, you know, years to learn how to do. But fortunately, my sponsor had enough foresight to say, hey, you know, uh, you know, to kind of put it on me, like, cause I would tell him, I said, man, everything's going really good, but I'm not feeling, I'm not, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. And I mean, ultimately he just said, Hey, stop it. Enjoy it. Like basically. Right. And, um, I learned, okay, Domingo, like, you know, you can let yourself, um, experience good things in your life. And that's, that's one of my jobs today is experiencing, allowing good things to come into my life, no matter how uncomfortable I'm a, it's easier now, but I'm a compulsive overeater who's just grew up in chaos and experienced chaos all my life. It's uncomfortable for things to be good and quiet and peaceful and consistent, you know, and nurturing and loving, you know, I'm one of those people who I would, um, I'm sorry, I keep looking over here because that's where, uh, let me go over here. You probably, you guys are probably wondering what I'm looking at. Um, I'm one of those. Uh, what was I going to say? I'm one of those people that when I when I saw gushy things, like I couldn't stand watching gushy. I couldn't stand people expressing love to each other. It was like, yeah, 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 so much with that happy fun stuff. Let's just move on, like to a more, you know, uh, depressing topic or some drama or some chaos. You know, today I'm like Domingo, just. Just accept it. And it hurts. Having good things come in my life is not easy. It's not my normal state, but I get to do that today. All right. So um, can I get a, a time check? I'm just trying to. It's 
We're going to take okay. a break in about 20 minutes, if that works. Perfect. Thank you. Yes, that's great. All right. So I talked about what it was like. I talked about um, what happened. I came into program. I talked to you guys a little bit about program. Um, so I'm going to talk about what it's like today. Um, I'm trying to think what else I need to say about any of the two topics. And I've got a little list of things that I wanted to cover. So um, I'm going to bring those up. I talked about um, what's my life like today? Oh, God. Um, the prize of the program. So I'm just going to go down this list and we'll see how it goes. Um, I can only work on the solution. So for me, for me, guys, when I created a uh, God amount understanding, uh, um, it was, it's, it's changed and it grew, it's grown. But I know that one thing for me is, is I need perfect security because I'm an anxious, I'm somebody who can, my anxiety um, trigger is, 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 is like a hair trigger. You know, a lot of, I have an emotional reaction, severe emotional reaction to various, to various things. And so um, I needed, for me, I needed perfect security. I needed a God that was outside of this world, that wasn't, that, that wouldn't rust, that wasn't touched by time. Um, I needed unconditional love and that, and that wasn't conditional. So something outside, something that was safe, I needed that perfect safety. So I remember one time, um, I, I think I'd done a nine step with my um, ex, I think it was my ex-wife, but man, I was feeling good. I was driving through, um, I think it was I, through Brea Canyon and I was just driving through there. And I gotta tell you, there was angels. I felt like, I, so I have a little history with drugs and alcohol, uh, just say that. Um, and uh, there's a lot of things with food and all kinds of other things that I've done to kind of give myself like, a, like well, aid to make myself feel okay or to give myself like some heightened sense. There's a lot of things that I've done and try to be and whatever the case might be. But I was just driving uh, and I was just like in heaven. Like I was feeling so good. I can't even describe. And I was just like, it was probably like three seconds, but it felt like a long time. And I was just like feeling, I was just in the zone. Like I can't even describe to you guys what it felt like. And um, just as fast as it came, though, it left, like it was gone, like, like, I, I was back to quote, unquote, normal. I, and I was thinking, I was like, Oh, my God, what was I just thinking? Or what, you know, what was I doing? Like, I need that in my life. I need that in my life. You know, I need that, 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 if there's a heaven, and it feels like that, like, I like, sign me up, you know. Um, and uh, I spent the next five minutes as I was driving towards my home, I lived in um, La Havre at the time, trying to figure out what it is that I was thinking or doing to get that feeling back. So finally, I pulled over and I was resolved. I knew that I, I, I knew that that whatever that was, whatever that heavenly feeling wasn't coming back. And for that moment, I thought to myself, you know what? I'll live without that feeling my whole life, um, but I can't. I realized that I couldn't live without my higher power. I and I realized that 
that I had my, my relationship with my higher power up until that time was conditional. If I felt good, if I felt like it, I was in the zone, then I felt connected. If I felt out of sorts, I didn't feel connected. And I, pro I promised then and there, I made a commitment to myself and to my higher power that, that I would accept any feeling that I got as the loving, the loving hand of my higher power. If it felt the way it felt, uh, like that heavenly feeling, then great. If it felt crappy, then okay, great. That nothing was going to, I didn't want more than that great feeling in my life. I didn't want to be away and disconnected from a God of my own understanding. And so that's been my, the relationship that I established. Um, that despite anything that's going on um, in my life, like, like my relationship with the God of my understanding, there's nothing that uh, that's external or internal that, that I'm going to allow to get in the way uh, of that relationship. Because so, today, because today my life is a lot different than when I first came in. You know, when I came in, I had a blood disease. I was pre-diabetic. I told you all about how things were financially, getting ready to be fired because I was procrastinating because I was just, I was racked with fear. And I was the buddy, the, I went from being uh, operations manager of the year to being the butt of everybody's joke uh, it, it, within my manager group and, and being uh, written up. I, I was, I was close. I was hanging, you know, everything was hanging on by a string, you know, fast forward today. Um, I've been, you know, all I've done is try to be, a, you know, willing, willingness is the engine. Uh, and I guess the prize of the program is, is a, is a relationship with the God of my own understanding who not only is always there and nothing can, nothing, nothing can touch that. Nothing. I have perfect security and it has to be, but that means that, that means that I, uh, I get to, I, you know, financial security, good health, um, a, 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 a normal body weight, um, a, a, a nurturing and loving relationships, uh, a creative and uh, and uh, interesting career, all those are fantastic, but they all vacillate and they and you know there's a reason that there a term exists reversal of fortune. They can all go away, and so my higher power can't reside in any in any of those things. Um, and so I have to always remember that because I'm somebody who whose motivation you know, you know, got me here that my, the motivation that I had when, when I told you guys that I was the one of the individuals that like read how life was supposed to be lived by observing others. I thought that those things that I had when I was in my twenties, all those things I listed, you know, about financial security and good relationships and, and safety and, uh, and a good job and all that. I thought that was the apex of my life. I didn't realize that it was a God of my own, a relationship with the God of understanding that, that who I realize now has not only will be with me because I made him that way, but, but has always been with me um, and is with me today and can't, you know, there's a term, I don't know if I heard or I made it up, but it says, uh, you know, God is in me like the ocean is in a wave. I probably read it somewhere. Um, it, we're inseparable. Like my higher power has to be there so much that I've convinced myself that there's, there's no separate, that I can't be without my higher power, which, which uh, that's what gets me through 
when I wake up a little nervous that maybe, you know, I can't sleep at two in the morning, nothing else. I don't care if I look at my bank account or if I look in the mirror, because today, you know, physically, A, I'm, I'm actually slightly lighter than I was in that picture that I showed you guys earlier when I was in the Marine Corps. I'm actually uh, uh, weight just a little bit less. My measurements are around the same. I'm 53 years old and my, my body measurements, it, I don't have the same body as a 21 year old. I'm not trying to say that, but physically my, the body composition is the same way it was when I was a 21 year old. But, but if I get up nervous and, and unsettled at two o'clock in the morning, looking at myself in the mirror isn't going to bring me any, <laughs> any comfort because, uh, or looking at my bank account or wondering all the things that I'm quote unquote grateful for. Those are all good. And, um, but they're not the, they're not the end. Um, there, there's something that comes, I think from the end. And that's just, you know, me learning that, um, that I have inherent value, that I have a loving higher power that loves me unconditionally that I believe breathe me and I think all of us into this world out of sheer love. And um, that's, that's what settles, you know, that thing that nothing from this world um, can settle, you know, can satisfy, you know. Um, so I can only work on the solution today. Um, let me do a little time check to see, okay. All right, so a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I can only work on the solution today. I talked about how um, I talked about how I have to set up my life because I, I get anxious. You know, anytime I know I'm anxious, guess what? I'm trying to control something that's out of my control. That's not in my control to control. You know, I, I'm uh, today I'm making um, the most money I've ever made in my life. Um, and not. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because I'm making a conscious choice to actually leave that job um, that hasn't been done <laughs> without a lot of sharing and a lot of talking to others and a lot of planning. And it's been probably two plus years in the making. And I'm in the best position right now to do it. That doesn't mean that I don't have any fear. Um, but uh, what's my point in bringing that up? The point in bringing that up is that can't work on the problem see because I got the what's my problem now is how am I going to be able to take care of myself without a job like what's next I don't like I don't you know I mean I've got some idea there's things that I'm preparing for but I can't control that you know for my compulsive overeating and my you know my my uh what I how I am I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring but for today I get to come to me and I get to be with you lovely folks um my tribe um, and, uh, and I get to be of service and I get to be in program today. Um, so, so I can only work on the solutions that, that, that reminds me, that makes me feel like today I told you guys, I woke up nervous about sharing here, but I remember, okay, you know what? I had an epiphany. I was going for a nice little jog earlier today, which by the way, I, I do do some exercise today, but I didn't touch a lot on the, um, on the exercise bulimia, but what I will say is that all the weight loss and the maintenance of my bottom of, you know, my, my normal body weight, quote unquote, you know, has been done with, with the exercise, even though I've done it, it hasn't affected that at all. It, you know, and fortunately, you know, I'll, you know, I'll talk a little bit about that is that 
I learned a couple, because even in program, there was still that relationship, right? About with exercise, I was still, you know, I'll tell you what, coming, I wish I could told you coming into OA, just removed my obsession with how I look and my, and, and my body unease, right? But it didn't, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a long time coming. But one thing somebody said in a meeting, they said, I, he said that he learned that he didn't have the right for him to change what he looked like. And I thought, well, how do you not, uh, I, first of all, excuse me, that was like, that didn't register. Cause like, how, like, that's what, my, that's what I built my whole life on. That's what I banked my whole, that's what I, I put in so much work changing the way I looked, um, take, doing activities to way I look. And in fact, coming into OA, when I first came in, I didn't have the best intentions, you know, thankfully, OA works despite my intentions. It's a program of action, not intentions. Um, and um, fortunately, I was willing to do the actions um, to recover. But, um, but, but until I heard that, I wasn't able to separate what my body looked like and my weight and all that lump of topics with exercise. It was, it was, it was enmeshed. It was like one couldn't exist without the other. And once I did that, then I could be, I could be free. What I look like is totally has nothing to do with exercise, whether I choose to exercise today or not. And to be quite honest, it's a little harder to get myself to exercise because there's not that motivation of like, oh, well, I'm going to make myself look this way or I'm a blah, 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 or what all that stuff. If I want to exercise, I do. If I don't, I don't. And now that I don't quote unquote have to, because there's not, and in program, I haven't had to do that. But there's, there's times when I have been a little heavy, you know, heavier than I am now that I, you know, part of the mix was me exercising. But for today, I just exercise for health and I'm happy that I have that freedom or I, or I go out with other others and I can use it like a social situation, go hiking with others. And I get to talk. I've done a lot of that. I get to, I started going to meetup groups and just be, and just enjoying the company of others and building friendships and exchanging ideas, helping, you know, uh, giving help and, and, and offering it in return in terms of com camaraderie and, uh, and fellowship and, 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 and a loving spirit. So, um, so I only get to, I can only work on the solution today. Um, I can only work on the solution today. Oh, so I was talking about how nervous I was about speaking. So I had a little epiphany. That's, that's one reason why I do like jogging and running because um, my, there's a lot of uh, blood goes to my brain and I feel like I get a little inspiration, but I was, you know what? I, for here, for today, you know, I just get to express myself. Like really, like I could show up, like, that's how, you know, when I talked about I can't solve any problems, there's a, there's a lot of things I can do. I tell myself, Domingo, um, don't let what you can't do get in the way of what you can do. Like today, I get to show up and I get, like, I can express myself. I could want to be, of, I could take steps to be of service. I could, um, I, could re, I could relax. Like those things I can do. I, I can't make you like me. I can't make anyone like me. I can't make anyone um, enjoy what I say, I, 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 or think of me a certain way, it's just impossible. So it's not something that I have to take on. I'm a compulsive overeater. These are things that, uh, you know, I have less time in, uh, 
in um, uh, in recovery than I do, um, you know, um, prior to coming into um, overeating. So I've got a lot more tread that way. So it's it's not it's counterintuitive for me this way. So I always have to remind myself, and this is, you know, it's always a conscious decision to live differently today with a different motivation. Um, so before I move on to the next topic, I think um, life after compulsion, I'm sorry, five minutes? Yeah. All right, I'm gonna tell a little quick story how I found out there was life after compulsive overeating. So this was, uh, I came into program in 2009. Uh, my abstinence date is April 30th. So uh, New Year's of that year, I, um, you know, when I came in, get, you know, one thing that really helped is I got, I got a sponsor that had a sponsor. And then I got together with other people who were working the program. And then we got to get together and my sponsor had little meetings and it was just a group. And, you know, I needed that in my recovering infancy. I needed a lot of support. I, I had to abstain from going to social situations with my family because, because I'm a people pleaser. When somebody says you should have a bite of this, I feel compelled to have a bite of that. Or I feel like you should, after I tell you I can't eat something, automatically every time you should remember exactly what my abstinence is and not offer me anything. After I just told you 10 seconds ago that I don't I have zero of that, you, you, you offered me that. That was one of the lessons that no one else other than myself is responsible for my abstinence, you know, and, or, or for knowing what I need and what my program and what my program is and what I eat and what I don't eat today. And um, thankfully I gave everybody the freedom to be themselves. And then, and then I got to take on that responsibility today. And I had a really good, hopefully I'll talk a little bit about an example that my sponsor gave, but I'm talking about life after compulsive overeating right now. So he had a, a new year's party and we went to the party and of course I'm nervous and uh, there's a bunch of people, no one, uh, I think a few people drinking, but for the most part, a lot of people in recovery, uh, OA people, and, and we have our, our abstinent meal, which is all the same, and we're all eating it, and we're measuring, measuring it out, and we're enjoying it because it's a tasty meal that nurtures us and nutritionally and satisfies us, and um, we, we played board games that night, and uh, we watched the clock come up, you know, the hit midnight and we wished each other gave each other hugs this is all pre-covid and and wish each other happy new year and uh and then headed headed and and it was a fantastic it was a fantastic time yes it was it was focused on food for me because i needed my meal i've only missed like a handful i think maybe on a one hand number of meals uh uh in my whatever 11 or 12 years in in, in oa because because it's all I got. I mean, in terms of meals, I value them. Um, but um, so I was focused on that. But, you know, I let myself like be open and have a good time. And driving home that night, you know, whatever, 1230, one-ish, you know, I would, you know, I really, it came to me that there was life, like this is what life after compulsive overeating was like. You know, because up until that point, um, I had been in, what's that, uh, May, June, July, I don't know, maybe it was like 10 months or something or eight months, something, you know, I was still wondering, you know, how long am I going to be eating this thing? You know, does it change? Does it shift? Shift, shift I said, um, uh, how, you know, what, what's, you know, 
though those thoughts were still coming in, you know, I, I didn't, you know, the big book says that, you know, well, I mean, I changed the words, but it says the alcoholic uh, life was the only one we knew. Like for me, uh, the compulsive overeating life was the only life I knew. I had to learn what living without compulsive overeating was. And even though I had abstained for however many months, I still didn't know what life was going to be like. But after spending the night with fellows and, and, and having fun and laughing and it not being fueled uh, or focused on, on, on any type of addictive behavior or compulsive overeating or anything like that or, or drugs and alcohol, you know, I learned that that's what, that there was life after compulsive overeating and that it was better than it was be, that, that anything that I had experienced before. And I was happy for that because I needed that. I needed to know that I could relax and get comfortable in my recovery. Um, you know, that I didn't have to, that white knuckling isn't part of the program or doesn't have to be part of the program. Um, that I could, you know, I learned, oh, well, maybe I could, you know, do this one day at a time. My sponsor told me early on, really quick, you know, you don't, Domingo, you don't, you never have, you don't have to compulsively overeat again if you don't want to. You don't have to compulsively overeat again. And uh, I didn't know that that was possible. I didn't know I could, I, that somebody could say that with a straight face and that it could, it could be a reality. Um, and I don't, and I haven't lived my whole life. I don't know what tomorrow. And fortunately, I don't have to live my whole life to know that I don't have to ever compulsively overexercise today. Just over over compulsively overeat just for just for today. And I think that's a good place to stop. Awesome. Thank you, Domingo. I'm going to remove your spotlight so it's not just you for everybody to see. Uh, thank you so much for your contribution. I wanted to have a little bit of a conversation with Connie. Connie is the OA Rise treasurer. And yes, we've made several requests for funds. Um, the seventh tradition for OA is in fact, one of our traditions. We're, we're only being consistent with that tradition. I did have uh, feedback not too long ago. Boy, that OA rise meeting, they just walk around with their hand out all the time, hand it over, we need cash. Well, the reality is we do need cash to keep going. And any excess cash beyond our prudent reserve needed to maintain our meeting is contributed directly to world service to help carry the message to the still suffering compulsive overeater. And if you don't have cash, I hope you have time because we'd like that too. <laughs> we have um, several small jobs that need to be done and some bigger ones that need to be done. And we tackle this as a team. We teach you how to contribute uh, your time and energy and then we support you in doing it and we have fun in the process. Connie, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little more about what it is OA Rise does with the funds that it gets. What are its expenses? Well, our expenses are obviously the Zoom fee to run the meeting. We have uh, fees for our website and fees for um, the so we're, our ability to record the meetings and put the transcripts on our uh, out so that people can um, have access to those. And anything over and above what our basic costs are, we send to directly to World Service. Awesome. Thanks, Connie. I know you are one of our foundational people, and I am, and Sherry is. Janice has joined us relatively recently. Yay, Janice. She's one of our super helpers. 
and and we we could use more help. Literally three or four hours a month uh, is what I'm asking for that allows you to participate in a planning meeting where your vote definitely counts, your voice definitely is heard. Uh, we respond to suggestions from people who attend those meetings and the meeting transforms and grows and improves because of those suggestions. Uh, nothing set in stone. We are here to be of support. Um, I can report that, at least according to my recent check of email, we have not yet received a seventh tradition contribution today for this meeting. <laughs> and so if you guys want us to keep going, we're happy to keep going, but we don't want to pay the costs out of pocket for ourselves. And we don't want to do all of the work. Truly many hands make light work. I have received two inquiries to be of assistance from this meeting. Thank you, so excited. I'll be in touch with each of you if you are willing to contribute time, uh, talents, even opinions, uh, please uh, reach out to me. I'm going to put my information again in chat um, and I would, I would be very happy to reach out to you. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to me. I'm gonna let you take your break now. <laughs>